three, two, one. My God, it's full of Stardonicast. Hey, everybody, it's Stardonicast. <laughs> I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. I was thinking about doing a, a quote from King Kong, and then I realized all of them are kind of just like really problematic. So, not that that wouldn't be funny. It was Sardonicast that killed the beast. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. I yeah, I just started thinking about it about like I don't know, thirty seconds ago, and then gave up. <laughs> yeah, I I figured you were gonna do like an old timey one, like because we're we're watching like a lot of classic kind of movies, mm-hmm. like for this episode, the King Kong, the old one. Yeah, twenty ten, the year we make con- contact, a classic film. <laughs> Who else is here? Oh, um. YouTube.com from Ralph the Movie Man. Oh, hi, YouTube. And I'm Alex from IHE. <laughs> There's uh, some news that is uh, bittersweet, you could call it. Is this the end? Interesting. Possibly. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Interesting implications. Warner Brothers has announced that they are going to be releasing all of their 2021 films in theaters and HBO Max simultaneously, meaning that they'll be on HBO Max for a month and then taken off HBO Max and then brought back on at some point, which is very strange. Christopher Nolan is probably in shambles right now, but uh, what do you think? Well, he doesn't have a movie next year. I know, but I was thinking like if there was one director that they made an exception for, that would just be him in like 2023 or something. Mm -hmm. Because he has yeah, a lot of But if they continue power, it, so. they could continue that in the future. And in that case, he could just release his films in theaters as well. And that's fine. But I mean, yeah, it I guess like it's simultaneous. Want that. Yeah. It seems like people kind of want to just watch the movies on VOD at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, especially so like Wonder now. Woman is going to there, right? Wonder Woman's going Dune. right to Dune. Yeah. I'd imagine Christopher Nolan would protest even if it's in theaters simultaneously, because otherwise he would have done that with mm-hmm. Tenet. But no, he insisted. Yeah. Like he's like, no, people have to be forced to watch it in theaters. Like we can't, we can't give them a digital <laughs> option. And if a, if the, if that's the case during a fucking pandemic, then what do you think he's going to do next yeah. year? <laughs> There's one way for it to be seen, Tenet, in his mind, and that's like in an IMAX theater. Any other experience is inferior. Even though I just watched Tenet like on a TV, and it was fine. I know. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I think yeah. I think a lot of directors assume that everybody watches movies on their phone or has like the shittiest TV setup. <laughs> no, I have a good I have a good sound setup, and I had yeah, people me too. over, so I turned it off. Yeah, yeah. I turned, they, so it's like, yeah, we enjoyed it. There's nothing wrong with watching movies at home. It blew their minds. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's. A lot of people now, like I know, I, I, the, the number keeps going up of people that I know that just like that have like a fifty-inch four K TV or something, because they're getting <laughs> yeah. more affordable. They're like a hundred dollars. You can get one. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're getting cheaper and cheaper every day. Uh huh. And you know, getting good sound is like another step to that. But like, still, I mean, even if you watch something, does with it headphones, replace the experience though? That's the question. There's a lot of doom and gloom about this subject. Like seeing people react on social media. I don't I'm not know. really sure if it's if it's enough quite yet, you know, to really say that it's over. I love film festivals because the audience usually doesn't fucking suck ass in film festivals. <laughs> every movie yeah. I see not in a film festival, not everyone, but like I'm always worried because there's a high likelihood of somebody just being a stupid piece of shit and ruining the movie Mm -hmm. for everyone they're not there to watch a movie they're there because they were at the mall anyway sort of thing or 
they're they're on a date <laughs> and then they want to prove how not scared of the horror movie they are and make a noise whenever that <laughs> happens in hereditary you know like people are just so so yeah. fucking annoying in movies and it seems like film festivals are the only experience where people are like actually there to just watch the movie which is great seeing a movie in an audience in that sense but like otherwise i just rather watch it at home that's a good argument for it mm-hmm. however i think most audiences are fine they're not annoying <laughs> I, yeah. I feel that way okay i, I don't know <laughs> yeah I feel like most theater experiences I've had have been good. Mm-hmm. And to make movies like Tenet that cost like $200 million, you need to release them in a theater and charge like $15 a person to make your money back. Otherwise, like, it, I don't know if you could even sustain those kinds of movies, you know? I'd be very interested to see the economic side yeah, of it. Yeah, it's the subscription model thing, though, yeah. that every business is shifting to. If mm-hmm. you're subscribing to HBO Max, that's, like, ideal for them, right? If yeah. You just, if you forget about that, they're getting confirmed money every month from you as opposed to exactly. seeing the odd movie a couple of times a year. I just feel like you're losing money releasing a movie that you spent, like, $300 million on just on VOD. If it was just an iTunes rental sort of thing, then perhaps... But, I mean, Netflix has already proven that it's a very lucrative business model, right? They make shit tons of money. That's why every other studio is doing it now. I mean, even before COVID, Netflix is, like, raking in billions upon billions of dollars. Like, the shows that they fund are... I don't know. They were in debt, too. They were in debt a long time ago, weren't they? That was, like, when they were trying to get sold to Blockbuster. That was was quite a while ago, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like they've been a very profitable company. Otherwise, they wouldn't have so many like first party titles and you know all these crazy releases working with like Martin Scorsese and shit. You know, they're all kind of forced to do this now. Disney and HBO uh, this or, year, yeah. But I, you yeah, because <laughs> of the situation, yeah, they're kind of forced to. I I think they would have preferred to release it in theaters. Yeah, I mean Aladdin did very well in theaters. True. Yeah. yeah. What's the first movie they're gonna try it with? Oh, um, HBO Max? Uh, yeah. I guess what the, what the fuck's coming out in January? I don't know. Is it going to be Tom and Jerry? What are we? <laughs> I, I don't know what their release schedule Wonder is. Wonder Woman's a big one. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like Wonder Woman will be the testing ground because that yeah. the original one was a, a pretty big success, wasn't mm. it? Huge success. So people are, yeah. are, are, and they're ready for a new superhero movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been a while. I think studios are really, really warming up to the idea of just like, Oh, someone can just pay you money forever and forget that they have an account, right? Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> it's a, it's... Yeah, I saw your tweet about Nintendo Online. Exactly. It's like people just have thing. Nintendo Online and forget that they have it, and they're still paying for it even though they don't use it. Or a Spoonie's Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Shots fired. Damn. <laughs> still on. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Go check it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go there's check. a few of those out there. <laughs> he's posted a video in like whatever six years years yeah <laughs> anyway unless you want to count that car accident video i haven't been keeping up as as well as you have apparently <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there's a video that came out of like a year and a half ago and it's like spoonie got you know in an accident and like the comments were like, "Is this a Spoonie movie we've been waiting for?" Oh no! You know, it's like <laughs> they're you know, <laughs> like as you can imagine. Hopefully, he was yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. He was, I think he, I think he caused it. Oh, like if you watch the video, oh. and he's like arguing with the officer. He's like, "Did you check the dash cam?" 
Because oh. the other people were <laughs> saying like he he had like caused the accident, like the other witnesses. Woo. Okay. <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I just keep up with all the... I know people like keeping up with the Channel Awesome stuff. That's why you yeah. brought it up. Okay. You can be our yeah. expert then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on that. Like yeah. you're the expert be, yeah. on like Cool uh, Cat. Cool cat and go. like, yeah, I'm the expert on like the Channel Awesome stuff. Yeah. I'll keep everyone up to date. Yeah. One thing I'm concerned about with the HBO Max thing is that it's not available in every country. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, I mean, like, I think they'll make, I don't know, because it, like, it's, it's weird to have this as your test pilot thing when you're not even offering the service everywhere. Well, guess what? The torrents are being offered everywhere. So if you're trying to, to make this test of, like, how will we compete with torrents, if we release digitally, will people pirate in, instead? You don't really have a good sense for that unless your platform is widely available everywhere right because mm, then yeah, there's going to be entire yeah. markets that are forced to torrent it unless they want to go to a theater which is much less convenient but if they had the convenience of just using hbo max signing up for it they gladly pay for it this has been proven a billion times it was proved with steam in russia gabe newell was told never to enter russia's market because they just pirate everything anyway what does he do he launches steam there and they become like one of the biggest demographics <laughs> you know they're like all the dota people mm -hmm. there it's like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is convenient. It's just like they wanted to pay for it the whole time. It was just like they didn't want a less convenient version that was filled with DRM that they couldn't actually play that wasn't even being yeah. sold to them until two months after the American release. It's like, okay, you got to expect that people will pirate it just like they will with these HBO movies, these Warner Brothers movies, if it's not actually available properly at a reasonable price in their uh, jurisdiction, in their demographic, in their geographic location that's the word i was looking for yeah yeah I, I i just searched it up and in the uk it looks like it's not going to be here till the second half of 2021 so oh. that's a mm. huge market like all of europe is yeah. not going to yeah. have it so that is a that's yeah, a that's considerable crazy. market yeah for these movies and i feel like that's a good argument for theaters too because there's not as much like work you got to do to get it out to everywhere at once like you could just mm -hmm. release it to all the theaters at once, and like like all those Marvel movies relatively come out at the same time in theaters, and everyone gets to have the same experience around the same time. To some degree, yeah. The bigger the movie, the bigger the studio, the easier it's going to yeah, be for, for them. Yeah, but... for big theaters, yeah. I mean, for I big movies. There's like tons of movies though that get like weird delayed releases, even from these major yeah. studios for seemingly no reason <laughs> and it's always really weird when it happens like even in theaters yeah, it's a lot of weird things the yeah. countries have restrictions too i know it's just this stupid mess i hate it exactly yeah which is why i like the idea of internet publishing but yeah just get it out there yeah but but uh i don't know on something like um youtube where the platform is already designed in a way where you can just upload it and it's available everywhere except maybe where you know governments individually will censor it like china or something exactly but that's yeah. that's china that's on china that not really on youtube mm -hmm. right and so like if you have a model like that where it's widely available globally and you know anybody can buy youtube premium or whatever i don't see how that's any different than just like signing up for hbo max in terms of like i'm getting a subscription there's something that I'm getting for this sort of thing. But it's weird because like every single one of these shows and films has to go through so much more of an ordeal when it comes to like licensing and rights and all that nonsense. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just like it's not as simple as just uploading a YouTube video. But we know that this is possible. We know that with Netflix, every show that they own 
they you know they're hugely widely available globally and any show that they actually own that is a netflix exclusive they're just like yeah fuck it it's available everywhere and something that i've started to notice now which is really pissing me off is that there's several shows on amazon prime that they own the rights to that they're not doing globally what and maybe it is another weird licensing issue where because like i've noticed these more for shows that they've picked up right so one example would be sound of metal where it was a festival movie, they bought the rights to it, now it's on their platform. Mm-hmm. And I guess when they bought the rights, they only bought the rights to like American distribution. Whereas when Netflix buys the rights to something from festivals, Netflix, every single time, it's just like, oh, it's across our entire platform and everybody can watch it no matter which country, which is really nice. I want to see more of them doing mm-hmm. that. It's really annoying. Like, Of course, people are going to torrent things and pirate things if you don't make it available for them easily. <laughs> like, why do they Why do they get it three hours drive south from me if I literally just get in my car and then turn on my computer there, you know? It's so annoying. It's going to be a fascinating few years, I think, because it is so unpredictable. The whole business model is built around everyone sardining in this room and buying popcorn and it's all the extra stuff mm-hmm. that keeps the business alive. I know. From- just the movies you know so yeah i I really don't see how they can sustain themselves Mm -hmm. yeah without the food and you know the drinks because that's the real money maker for the actual you know the Mm -hmm. the the physical place right yeah and charging 20 dollars per person to go like you know in in a extra cool theater with Mm -hmm. like advanced speakers and Mm -hmm. like a big screen like that's a lot of money that now it's like I don't know if it's as lucrative. I think that large chains like AMC that have were already like going bankrupt before the pandemic, depending on how you like structure your business is also a huge thing. And a lot of these large companies just like don't like to they don't like to keep rainy day money. They would just rather get a bailout sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of I, I, I'd imagine theaters will still exist, even if everything gets a digital release simultaneously. Um, I don't see any reason why, why like theaters as a whole will just disappear, but I do see large chains deciding like, it's not as profitable as we want it to be. So we might as well file for bankruptcy and the CEOs will get some massive bailout and all the workers get screwed sort of thing. And the reason why I believe this is because like, there are tons of theaters that survive right now that don't even really play new movies. Like the drive-in theater that I went to for Tenet didn't even get that until like, couple months after it's like official release and that was like a a rarity for like them having like a new movie they usually just play old shit there's like a bunch of different theaters that just have good vibes and are kind of like indie theaters that you know they're they're ran by the people that like manage that location and there's only one of them sort of thing and they survive and they're doing good and people like them and then things like alamo draft house where they're providing a much better service than something like amc where it's actually a positive environment and a good you know good food good drinks good policy they kick people out if they're being noisy you know like i want to see a movie there exactly no downside to it you know, there will always be people that want to see things in theaters, I think. It's a good social, fun experience. Sometimes you don't have the right setup to be able to invite, like, six or seven or eight friends over. You'd rather just have a business do that instead mm-hmm. and have people wait on you and be fed, you know? So I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. think this is the death of cinema. I don't think this is the death of theaters. If anything, I think it'll get rid of a, a lot of chain locations, but maybe not their brand entirely. 
and possibly force other businesses to improve their services to make them more appealing instead of just, I have to see this movie here, so it's the only way I can, so I, I'm forced to, right? Which is not something I like. You know, you shouldn't force someone to take a less convenient, less desirable option if there's other things available. It's like it's like the taxi cabs trying to stop Uber from happening, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, improve your service. <laughs> make us want to, to to do the business transaction with you yeah anyway. yeah they got to compete yeah. with that convenience exactly you know? like if you can just whip out your phone and watch anything ever you have to make it worthwhile yeah. to go out and make a evening of it or whatever yeah like you can there's tons of shit you can do at home but you know if the real experience is better the outdoor the outside your home experience is better then you'll want it you'll there'll always be a market for that mm-hmm. if they can't find ways to make it better then that's on them i think the chain theaters can survive on just um like the marvel movies and the star wars movies those yeah. i don't know if disney's going to keep going though i think disney's going to be the one to not even do it in theaters disney can open their own theater Warner Brothers is doing it simultaneously you think the days of releasing like a movie in a th- in like 2000 theaters at once you think that's over i don't i think if any one of these studios is going to pull a ha-fuck-you to theaters, it's going to be Disney, and they've kind of already done that. Yeah, I agree. I think Disney would rather open their own theaters, like, like 3,000. If they find it the... lucrative, I guess. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, all the theaters that are closing down, they could mop up and just make them Disney theaters. Yeah. yeah. They make a billion dollars on each one of these, like, Lion King, Aladdin. Like, I think it is lucrative. I think they're losing money right now on, on by releasing Mulan like on Disney Plus. Not that they're not obviously they're making money off Disney Plus. It's, it's... also nobody saw Mulan. Yeah, it's not the right project. <laughs> <laughs> They'll make it back with Soul on That's Christmas it. actually, which is a really smart time to release a kids movie. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. directly yeah, I was on say. Christmas, people will have a little bit of extra Christmas money to justify signing up for Disney Plus. They might have opened up like a Roku or Amazon's Fire Stick or some shit. On Christmas, there's a bunch of kids around. You got to entertain them somehow. Oh, Disney Plus is a thing. Soul, I might as well sign up for this for a year. They're going to make a fucking killing on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I think it depends how successful that is. And yeah, I could see them shifting with certain projects. Because like the the Mulan thing, it is the wrong project for something like that. And they tried to charge extra, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I'm glad that's the one they tried it with because now they think it won't work. Yeah. When maybe if it were a better movie, it would have worked. So I'm glad that they've now abandoned that as a concept. (laughs) Yeah, I think Pixar or Marvel, might people might have actually paid more for that, but not Mulan. Yeah. They would have paid 30 bucks for Mandalorian. They should have done that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Mandalorian's their biggest thing. I'm glad it didn't work out. And I out. hear it's quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, microtransactions in a subscription service. Yeah, Disney's always going to find ways to be slimy. Mm-hmm. Never expect... Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't, don't hold them to any sort of standard or, of expectations. They'll, they'll always try to pull some slimy shit. Yeah interesting news i'm excited to see how it goes matrix 4 suicide sorry the suicide squad dune like these are all films that are going to be released on hbo max simultaneously it seems because those Mm. are all 2021 right so yeah i'm excited for dune yeah they just need to get on europe oh my god i think that's a mistake (sighs) sorry i just this article calls it timothee chalamet's dune like fuck off really yeah danny villeneuve is the rap.com. Yeah. I, I said it right, I get, right. I understand why, and yes, he did say it right. I understand I, why I got, they do that. Yeah, that, that. That name's popular, but fuck, it's not his <laughs> movie. God damn it. Just put both names in, why don't you? So speaking of streaming services, uh, we all saw Mank. Yeah. Yes. Netflix released a new 
movie. Finally, a new Fincher movie. Yeah, boy. Yes. <laughs> What'd you think? A new Gary Oldman film. Gay Oldman. <laughs> Mank. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary Oldman as the screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz, who is the screenwriter for Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And the movie takes place like around that time, like the 40s, 30s. And also his relationship with um, William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. who's played by Charles Dance, who's, of course, the the inspiration for Charles Foster Kane and Citizen Kane. And the movie even has like a like an old timey look with the black and white and like the muffled sound. Yeah, the, the audio is oh, cool. Oh, like it was really. Yeah, uh, it was all audible, too, which was good, yeah. even though it sounded muffled. It wasn't distracting. Though. But yeah, I we can talk about it but <laughs> i just want to say that i thought it was really fucking great and mm-hmm. one of fincher's finest i think really entertaining i really enjoyed it um i wouldn't quite put it up with his finest personally um mm-hmm. just because i don't know I, I think it's just a personal preference thing I, I usually prefer more you know like a cinema paradiso and stories like this where it's all about celebrating old hollywood old cinema and this mm-hmm. kind of thing i I like it to a degree, and I do appreciate it, but I just feel like that there's a line where they reference uh, the script for Citizen Kane, and and they describe it as something like, it's very complicated, and it's quite a dense, complicated movie, Mank as well. Uh, lots of characters and names to keep track of, uh, not being American, there's a lot of American politics in there, yeah. and a lot, of, a lot of stuff to keep up with, and mm-hmm. that was actually my favourite side of it, was the historical angle, and the way Me of seeing too. a lot of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of um, kind of reflections of what we're going through now with the with the way World War Two was affecting you know the salaries of people and you know the the working industry and just everything that comes with like huge world altering events, just like yeah. we're going through what well, we went through this year with COVID and with the election being a huge part of the movie too and the election being this year. There's there's a lot to relate to and that does bring mm-hmm. it back around and make it feel very relevant, even though. I think it is just quite an obscure, harder to sell story. It doesn't have that wide stream, wide, wider appeal that some of right. other movies right. have. It's definitely a movie for kind of film fans in that way. That's why, like, uh-huh. when I opened Netflix on the day it came out, normally when there's a new, huge original production, it's I know, like right? all over the advertising. It was like hidden. Mm-hmm. I had to search way deep <laughs> to find it. Yeah, I saw it on the front page, but yeah, it was just yeah. one of those little blocks. Like, it wasn't like huge on yeah, yeah it's it not might really be dependent on right. region but it wasn't front page for me i think the film's definitely enhanced by seeing citizen kane like 100 yeah. percent. i mm-hmm. think if you haven't seen citizen kane you can still really enjoy the film um i watched it with my brother he hadn't seen citizen kane it's yeah there's just so much like nuance and like little references to citizen kane like even the way uh who, who was the guy who plays Orson Welles in this? He was great. Uh, yeah, I forget his name, but it was a really great impression. Yeah, I'm going to look up his actor like while we're uh, talking. Tom Burke, he's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, especially with the old-timey kind of sound mixing. It sounded just like Orson Welles in yeah, like Citizen Kane. really great and that was vocal. Great. Finch has really got a skill for that. In yeah. Mindhunter, the, the casting for some of the, the like serial killers and actors and everything, they're really mm-hmm. like spot Charles on Manson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. was like the same actor that uh, Tarantino used for <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. But um, even the way like the Orson Welles like stormed out of the room toward the end of the film, like it was just like how uh like he tore apart the room in Citizen Kane, yeah. like yeah. sloppily, like you know throwing his body around, like a lot of little things like that that were just I I really appreciated. Um, you said Alex, they're like a lot of self-referential lines, like. 
having to do with the scripts like yeah the story's complicated yeah. the time frame jump is all jumps all over the place the the changing perspectives yeah i i noticed that too i, I thought it was funny i, I thought it worked mm-hmm. it's yeah it's clearly like a labor of love and a passion yeah for that time period and i do i do like the critical angle too where it's obviously a huge part of citizen kane where when it was first released uh, Orson Welles was kind of panned as a communist and all of that, and that plays kind of a large part of the movie. Uh, yeah, saying that that political tone of the time, and I just find American politics quite fascinating. Um, so seeing <laughs> it is. way back in the thirties, forties, um, yeah. just seeing the the reactions and the way people communicate with each other and talk about the times is just quite illuminating to me. Yeah, it's um, my favorite aspects about this film would be its presentation elements the visuals the sound design especially not everything i found to be like incredibly consistent in the sound design because like the audio being muffled and also i found like really echoey with the dialogue was a really cool way to do it yeah sometimes i liked that i wish that the same could be said for the soundtrack which i loved the music but you know comparing the audio quality of the score in this film to older films like even films in the 70s had like a bit more of an aged quality to the just how the music sounds not how it's composed but how it actually sounds and so i found Mm -hmm. in this this film the music came across as a bit too clean to be you know it was it was a a little too contrasting or conflicting i would say with the audio of the soundtrack between the audio of the dialogue still loved the music it was very well composed and very fitting for the movie but i thought it would have been cooler if it sounded a bit more aged i th- I think it's a stylistic choice mm-hmm. like i think i feel like a lot of the film is like clearly paying homage to those yeah. films and the sound i mean it wouldn't be the only modern element yeah it feels like a fincher film too mm-hmm. like there's very modern elements there's cgi in the film yeah. like like you said with the mixing like some of it sounds clean it doesn't sound exactly like an old film but i feel like they were just trying to find a balance Mm -hmm. between you know making it work in a modern day like watching it on netflix because it could get annoying and just you know making it sound like one of those old movies Mm -hmm. i think it was a i think they struck a good balance yeah and i see what you're saying though i don't know because i watched um there was a movie that came out I might have mentioned this movie before, but there was a movie came out that came out, uh, I think, 2019, maybe 2018, called Bait, and it was a British film, and the whole thing, basically, rather than, like, replicating older film techniques, the guy just shot on, like, really old film and re- did everything in post-dub with some really shitty mic from the time period, uh. and, like, so there was nothing to recreate, he just basically just did it, and that was an interesting yeah. enough watch for me, even though I wasn't, like, 100% into the story. That one was so something where, you know, the the visual and stylistic presentation of that film is very much, like, super interesting, just basically seeing a, a super old, shitty-looking film, <laughs> but, like, today, basically, right? Right. Just watch the trailer for it, you'll know that. what I mean. Yeah, it um, sounds up my alley, yeah. though. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think they were going for that, like, yeah. as much with this. I think it's shot digitally. Like, it just feels yeah, like a Fincher film digital. with these, these subtle, like homages to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i think it worked and i think again it helps a lot with the orson welles impression like it makes him yeah. sound just like oh orson yeah exactly and, mm-hmm. and Kane, like or even what's the other one what's the one matthew johnson recommended oh f for fake f for fake oh, yes, yeah he yes. sounded like just like that and there's yep. even like he's wearing like the the like the black coat and the hat <laughs> mm-hmm. like in this movie yeah there's a lot of 
good um, references. Yeah. I thought Gary Oldman was really great. Oh, yeah. Too, he's, in yeah. The movie. I wanted really to get great. your opinions on him. Oh, yeah. I think he was probably the the best actor, maybe other than Orson Welles. But like he didn't. Or, the Orson Welles actor. Uh, what's his name? Tom Burke. He didn't have as much of an opportunity to shine outside of just like the impersonation sort of performance mm -hmm. whereas gary oldman there were moments like especially closer towards the end uh with his like drunk acting that's always something that's like a really key thing to point out in terms of one's yeah. acting skill is like can they drunk act that's that's a very complicated one and he pulled it off really well yeah well he had to too because the character's obviously an alcoholic mm -hmm. uh, it's a huge part of his character he's a very flawed character um but he's also like a a smart aleck he's always got something to say he's always got a quip for the moment and he, he mm -hmm. he's 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 cool the way he kind of i didn't really like him at first like intentionally i think in in the way he was coming across but they gradually revealed with the you know saving some of the the germans and bringing them over and it, there's more to him than meets the eye at first he's i mean it's gary oldman you know you don't really have to sell yeah. his performance he he does a great job fleshing it out yeah, the deterioration of his character was, like, very believable. Yeah, you just see how the alcoholism just kind of destroys him. Because you see he's a brilliant man. Like, the way he's presented in the movie, Manx's, like, a very smart person. And everyone likes being around him. But, yeah, like, even his, like, long monologue he gives at the end where he's, like, drunk rambling. If you mm -hmm. can decipher it, he's, like, basically describing the plot of Citizen Kane. And it's, you know, a yeah. fuck you to the people in the room. And it's it is kind of brilliant, but he's a drunk fool also, and he's like vomiting, which mm -hmm. kind of like deflates his point. <laughs> so it was just it was an interesting story of how you know alcohol just kind of destroyed this this really brilliant guy. And there's also the parallels um, between him and and Citizen Kane, like him in the bed at the beginning. Uh, there's a shot where he drops like the the alcohol bottle. It's like the snow globe. Like oh, yeah. The timeline thing. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were trying to like show the, the parallels between the end of this guy's life and the end of uh, Charles Foster Kane's mm -hmm. life. Yeah, it's a great companion yeah. piece. It goes together yeah, very well and doesn't. It doesn't completely rely on a bunch of like pointless reference stuff to the original. It's all so core to the story because that mm -hmm. was my concern when I heard about it that it was going to be like mostly like a an over-the-top drama with Orson and Mank like going at it or something, but it is way more about Mank, I think, and his struggles of getting that script done. Yeah, and it's more about him and um, William Randolph Hearst and the, mm -hmm. the Warner, the head of Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and like their kind of chemistry. And I thought the three of them were pretty fucking excellent in the movie. There's two like huge set pieces where there's like a lot of people kind of talking, like in a large room. There's like one like 40 minutes in and then there's like a big dinner scene at the end. And I thought those scenes were really impressive how they were executed. Yeah. Like clearly very complicated. Lots of like really good acting and, uh, you know, uh, complicated framing. Like there's a lot going on in those scenes that I thought were it made me want to rewatch them uh, multiple times because they were so good. Yeah. He makes it seem effortless despite how complex the like scene construction really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shots, and it's quite complicated. The editing's really good. Mm -hmm. I really love a lot of what's going on technically. I love conceptually. I love presentation-wise. In terms of story, what I love most about that is what Alex mentioned, is like things to do with the time period and political environment. 
and aside from that, there are, you know, there's at least one sequence that really sticks out to me, that whole drinking and smoking thing I thought was like a really great sequence. But aside from yeah. that, a lot of this movie I felt like pretty detached, mostly because I just didn't give a shit about what was going on story-wise. And it's, you know, it's just a personal thing because like I really, all the elements of the film work together well, but the story they're telling is just something that's not super appealing to me. I really just wasn't, uh, mm. like, I like the movie overall. It's just like, I probably won't see it again anytime soon. I might see it a second time before I make my list of 2020 in fucking 40 years, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know, because there's other, I feel like the the whole love letter to classic cinema thing is has become a bit of its like own cliche in a way. And in terms of films that have done it, I wouldn't say that this ranks among my favorite. Not to say that films can't do it anymore, but I didn't really feel like this one, aside from just being a, a really finchery movie and being really clean and well presented, other than that, I didn't really feel like it stood out in terms of the overall catalog of like love letter to classic cinema films. There's another movie I watched uh, from 2007 called The Ariel or the original title La Antena, A-N-T-E-N-A. And it's an Argentinian film that's basically a love letter to like early German expressionist films like uh, Metropolis and shit like that. And that one's a fucking trip. And it's like really engaging throughout. The story is more interesting, more goofy and more out there. And so like, I, you know, I, I there's other examples I can think of, of just like love letter to old cinema that I connected with more. And so this one is just like, I, I I respect it and appreciate it more than I actually enjoy it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is funny, because I feel that way about a lot of older cinema. So I guess it did its job. Right. <laughs> Manx's like a love letter to old Hollywood in many yeah, ways, clearly. Too, I but mean. I think it's also a fuck you to Hollywood. I mm -hmm. think this is like Fincher's fuck you to Hollywood, because yeah. he made it outside of the studio system. This he is true. made it with Netflix. It's shot digitally. Like, and it's written by his dad, like, in every way, it yeah. feels like... It was supposedly written a long time ago. That's true, yeah. It is very critical. It is very critical. And I feel like it's very critical of these old people, like, this this, this old system. Like, it makes it look all dazzling, but these people were actually kind of sociopathic, um, ignorant. Like, the way they talk about Nazis, right? They're like, yeah. oh, we don't have to worry about this Hitler fellow. Like, they're clearly, you know, full of shit. And again, that's not like incredibly new or anything it's not like a revelation i don't know this is this is something that he was writing or sorry his dad wrote like it was a script that he was going to do i read on the wikipedia page but it was like really early finchers when it was supposed to come out uh, i was supposed to have kevin spacey and somebody else like i guess around the like fight oh, club sort of yeah that's ringing a bell area mm -hmm. right and then the script got reworked apparently they found out that it was like a little too critical of Orson Welles and a lot of people got mad like some historians were just like or like Welles historians were mad at the implication that like <laughs> apparently the original draft of the strip ma script made it like really clear like he doesn't deserve any screenwriting credit here sort of thing and they took offense to that right. so I don't know like yeah. we don't know how accurate the film is in that regard but again I love I love a lot of what it's going for I don't connect with it as much as I do a lot of other stories that fincher has tackled and i don't connect with it as much as a lot of other you know love letter to old hollywood or critical of Holly old hollywood or love letter to old cinema or any one of those right there's a bunch of other examples i can think of where i'm just like so much more into it that i love a lot more this one i just found myself like 
I respect and appreciate most of this. And then there's a couple sequences yeah. and a couple moments that really stick out to me and are memorable, but the rest of it I'm just going to forget. I guess it's because the, the hook of the movie is so, it is kind of obscure. You know, mm -hmm. it's about the making of Citizen Kane in yeah. 2020. I mean, the, the average person isn't going to be as invested in that than like seven about, you know, yeah. it's easy to sell. There's like three timelines going on in this movie, right? <laughs> there's, yeah. Uh, there's him writing Citizen Kane in bed with like Lily Collins and then his brother comes visit him. Uh, play, there's a lot of like Netflix actors in this. Like that's the, the guy who plays his brother is um, Laura Lenny's brother in Ozark. I think Lily Collins is in oh. a lot of Netflix stuff. Yeah. So they just kind of, Tupin's Middleton. Um, she's in Netflix stuff, I think. <laughs> like just a bunch of Netflix actors. Um, mm -hmm. Then there's uh, the second timeline, which is like William Randolph Hearst and like Warner and, and all that bullshit. Right. And then mm -hmm. there's the third one. Yeah. Most of this movie is flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it even, like, it, it, there's a bunch of like uh, little, like, they typewriter kind of timestamps yeah. to remind you what's going on. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of those. I like that. It's I very like the hard to keep track of that. A lot. I do too. Yeah. And I think in a lot of the fades, they just faded the light naturally in the room. Either that or it was done like with some digital effect. I don't know. I love but that. But it looks really cool yeah. either mm -hmm. way. I like mm -hmm. that a lot. Very old timey. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. Yeah, most of the performances were really great. I don't think that Amanda Seyfried did that much to make me think that she's like a really great actor or anything. <laughs> I thought she was really good. Yeah, she's been in she a lot okay. of bad movies before this, and I didn't really <laughs> see her as doing like much different. And apparently, like she's quoted, I don't even remember where I read this, but she was quoted as like, there are scenes that took me an entire week to film because David Fincher wanted to get it right. I'm like, holy shit, it doesn't really show. <laughs> like, It's not like she was bad <laughs> oh, in the movie. I'm like, you didn't fucking, you didn't do anything like Oscar worthy here. You Fincher's just had to, like, infamous for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. she's She's been in like Red Riding Hood and like a bunch of shit. She's been in a gone. whole bunch of shit. But, but, but she's never the yeah. worst part of those films. Like she's always okay. She's always done a, a solid job, and this I thought she she's was pretty always good. she's done. There. She's used a lot of like there's a lot of silent acting, especially toward the end at that mm -hmm. dinner scene where she's kind of looking at William Randolph Hearst, and you know you could tell there's like a lot of there's a, there was a lot going on there, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I I think it was more subtle. I I liked her performance a lot. Um, I think she embodied. I don't know who the real uh woman is in real life. Um, but I'm guessing she's similar to the character in Citizen Kane. The one who Charles Foster Kane marries mm -hmm. and and makes that play mm -hmm. for or whatever that that sucks. She tries to be like an opera singer. Mm -hmm. I assume it's like similar to that. Uh, I, it makes me want to look more into the history of these mm -hmm. people, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah, um, I didn't even know about this guy at all, Herman Bankowitz. You know, and I guess that's a good thing about the film is it kind of exposes this this screenwriter who uh, yeah you know wrote one of the most important films of all time. Yeah. One of my favorite moments was that kind of bittersweet, well, not bittersweet, the tragedy of the the guy who's given a chance to direct, but he's kind of forced into the propaganda stuff with the, yeah, you know, and, he's, and he winds up killing himself as mm -hmm. this horrible, like, oh, yeah. yeah, feeding into that anti, you know, old Hollywood kind of stuff. With yeah, the, drawing parallels today, too. Yeah, <laughs> where it's all about just, like, the bottom line and winning and just making money. It's, it reminded me of, like, Mad Men in that way, where it's just a bunch of suits in a room with, like, you know, like, the girls with their tops off and stuff. And yeah. they're very arrogant and they just, it's all about making money. Exactly. And I feel that drives him further into his alcoholism, the, the yeah. main character. 
Yeah, it's a depressing place for him to exist. Like in. especially toward the end, like the the death of his character, the death of that other character who who kills himself. Yeah, I think that really drives him crazy toward the end, and that's what kind of results in his outburst at dinner. Like that was just such like a he didn't even give a fuck at that point. You yeah, know? and mm-hmm. I feel like it made it made sense for his character to act that way in that point. Yeah, because he was always the one who was basically speaking out of line when no one else would like criticizing the ideas of the room where everyone else was like circle jerking it he would whip out and the other side of it exactly and they just beat him down so much Mm -hmm. and when you watch citizen kane you i was kind of thinking like why does whoever made this movie fucking hate william randolph hearst this much that he would write such a scathing portrait of him (laughs) yeah you know Mm -hmm. and this movie kind of gives you some context like this look what they did to this guy like, he fucking hates William Randolph first for this reason. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I get why he would write a story that's so critical of, you know, these kinds of people that abuse their power and how, how it kind of, this kind of greed leads nowhere in life and how you kind of just wither up and die. Very cynical, but also kind of drawing parallels with what's going on in his life too, how he's coming, you know, he was reaching the end of his life as well. Um, yeah, it, it's sad and I think it's pretty brilliant. Like, like how they constructed the story. Yeah. And the way it kind of expands the the original Citizen Kane in that way. Getting to mm-hmm. understand the way the writer was feeling and what he went through does add yeah. a lot of texture to that first movie. Right. It's not a documentary necessarily, but it, you no, learn no, a no. lot from... And I, that's why I like Mindhunter too, because you learn a lot about kind of that period and the serial killers and, you know, how, how yeah, uh, he, psychologists he at research. that time... Yeah, it puts in the research. So that you're getting a little bit of like education along with you know entertainment <laughs> and mm-hmm. i thought you know it's like fruit for the soul it's it's really i felt great watching this i guess it's pandering to me because like you said alex <laughs> i love cinema paradiso and like anything that's a love letter to cinema or critical yeah. like embracing those kind of elements but i think this was really well done i thought like it's pretty fucking perfect mm-hmm. you know yeah like everything just fit really well made sense to me yeah, I think I'm slightly more with Adam where it, I wasn't connecting with it on an emotional level in that way with the plot just because I just felt so detached from it and it wasn't till maybe after the f- first half an hour was really over where I was starting to really get involved and into the dynamics of the story and where it was going mm-hmm. and what was happening. But yeah, I, I, I can't I can't put it above some of his some of his other work personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah out there i probably like it like as much as something like zodiac it actually reminded me the most of social network just because of how it's a like yeah. a character study focused on one guy there's no crime element really like no i guess there's shooting but there's no like it's not like fight club or anything it's like you know fucking crazy it's like pretty straightforward <laughs> drama mm-hmm. uh, and i think fincher does that really well i like that i like when he just makes a drama you know he clearly the, the level of sophistication in which he directs those scenes it's like someone, oh yeah, like who could direct an action scene. You know, it's like a, like it's like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Directing is always super clean and tight and really yeah. clean is the best way I would the best word I would use to describe Fincher's directing. Mm-hmm. It's just you can tell you can tell he knows what he's doing. Like that's for yeah, sure. <laughs> I love it. It feels so like refined and yeah, yeah it feels word. almost yeah. like storyboarded like a like an animation or something. I'd mm-hmm. love to see him mm-hmm. do an animated movie. And I think just the production design too of the the period piece elements was very detailed. Oh yeah, great production design, great makeup. I love the shot with like the Hollywood Land sign in the background. Yeah, can't forget yeah, those great elements. Great makeup. Uh huh. It made the people look like they really did. 
Did you guys mention it was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross? <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard about that before yeah. and then forgot about it as I was watching. Yeah, we, we talked like about the score, That's but so yeah. Funny. I, I thought it was, a, yeah, because it's like an old-timey score. I, yeah. I thought it was really I, great. I liked, I liked seeing that range from them. Because, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. there's normally a certain sound where it's like, oh, this is clearly like Trent and Atticus. But yeah. I mm-hmm. like that they were trying something a bit fresh and new with this. Yeah, they also scored Bird Box, and that was a massive piece of shit. They got tons of range. Yeah, yeah. Like, the score um, for that movie was awful. Their score for mid-80s. Yeah, that like, was bad. <laughs> there's, there's ones where it's not as, like, in the forefront. And what I like about Fincher is he kind of uses, like, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross to their best. Like, I feel there's a lot of points in this movie where the score is very pronounced. And I, like, it, yeah. it was very, like, a huge part of the scene. Like when he drops the handkerchief, like in that dinner scene, and there's like yeah. this, boom, like you know, there's like or the drums, like uh, like the old timey kind of drums, like mm-hmm. when they're pulling into the theater. Yeah. yeah, I I think the score was really great, and I looked at the score like on iTunes or like Apple Music or whatever. There's like fucking fifty tracks or something. There's like so oh, many. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, there's like a huge amount of tracks. That's I'm not like, surprising. Oh my God. It was very like musically oriented. Yeah, so, you know, and I didn't feel, maybe some of it was, like, quieter in the background or diegetic, but, yeah, I thought it was just really It really, really sets well the tone, yeah. yeah. I love them. <laughs> uh, this was clearly, like, pandering to me, because I love <laughs> Fincher and Atticus Ross and, yeah. like, the old Hollywood and pand- like, yeah, cinema, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I still think it's great. Like, yeah, I still think it's really well done. Yeah. All right. I'm giving this one a 7 out of 10. I'll give it another chance in the future, but I'm not rushing to see it. Appreciated a lot about it. Just uh, wasn't as interesting of a story as I would have liked, but that's about it. Yeah, I think I'm exactly with you, Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be a really high seven for me, of three and a half. Um, maybe in the future, I'll give it another shot and yeah, exactly. connect with it wow. more. <laughs> it took me a bit to get into like Zodiac, too, so took me a couple tries. Yeah, no, Zodiac's one of my favorite films of his now. So there's a chance I'll rediscover it at some point. But for now, yeah. I was, I'm happy with my experience. I really have nothing to complain about even. So it's, you know, it's, it's basically just your opinion All on right. that, that kind of thing. All right, guys. I think you guys are crazy. Yep. I, I think this deserves at least, I think this deserves at least an eight. <laughs> That's I'm nearly there. I, I only watched it today, so I'm still mulling. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a five out of five to balance you guys out. Okay. <laughs> or 10 out of 10. I saw you rated on Letterboxd earlier. It wasn't to balance us out. <laughs> You're going to rate it that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. Uh, yeah, I loved the film. I might rate it a nine, like, upon rewatches. You know, who knows? But I, yeah. I think it's fucking great. Um, I would rate it a 10 out of 10 at this point. Awesome. I've seen it twice also. So. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd like it. Yeah, yeah nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we all watched it though. Yeah, it's yeah definitely I'm... like it definitely didn't suck. Like none of us were like, "Oh, it was awful." Always keen to see a new, fi- oh, no. new Fincher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was looking through Fincher's like all of his films, and the lowest rated Alien Three. Like even that has an average of a three. Mm-hmm. And you can't even put the full blame on him. No, even his worst films are no. okay, like solid. Yeah, the game is pretty good. Yeah, he's, that might be he's the only really one I haven't seen. Fucking consistent director, the game. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, only seen it's it pretty once. Good. It's it's very mm. old from memory, but but enjoyable. Yeah. All right, so there was a film recommendation from last episode by me, and it was 2005 King Kong. However, I decided I would also watch 1933 King Kong, and I believe both of you did as well. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Were you were you like thinking about Mank and like the old timey? Oh yeah, I was oh, yeah, like there were some comparisons multiple times in my yeah. head. Yeah, they did mention King Kong, which is kind of funny. It was like directly after in the timeline, the guy's like, "Well, this is not going to be this. This wasn't no King Kong," and obviously you can tell <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. in context that was like the standard at the time of like yeah fantastical, huge, wildly successful awe-inspiring filmmaking at its finest sort of thing like that's what king kong was considered to be which yeah. was really nice and it totally makes a lot of sense i had seen little bits of king kong on tv at random points in my life but never the full thing seeing the full thing now it was pretty wild i liked it a lot i liked it a lot more than i was uh expecting mm. actually the original one yeah it's really fun. yeah yeah I fucking love that movie. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite films. Like, awesome. James Rolfe said it's one of the movies that made him want to make movies. I think that's like a great mm -hmm. way to describe it because it's just even like the the um the stop motion effects feel so inspired. Yeah. And the way it's integrated with the the actors even is very yeah. sophisticated oh, yeah. actually. Yeah, like obviously it's not real, but watching yeah. it you're just so impressed, like you're just dazzled by it. Also you have to understand something like the context of when a film is made, the special effects are going to be a lot more convincing for people because people are less familiar with the process of how things actually work. So like early CG, mm -hmm. you could yeah. you could put fucking CG the rock in the mummy and people would watch it and be like, wow, that's cool. But you look at that today and you're like, <laughs> that looks like shit. Right. So yeah. same sort of yeah. same sort of ideas with any sort of effect, claymation or anything like that, stop motion. You know, a lot of people are more convinced of these things because they aren't as familiar with filmmaking techniques or any kind of special effects. Apparently, the birds yeah. scared the shit out of people when that was released. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's very interesting how it was done. And you can tell there was a lot of like passion and craftsmanship going into a lot of these sequences and shots and effects. Yeah, really impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, a wild movie. It's basically an animated movie. Yeah, like, basically. The amount of stop motion. It is, it. yeah. Yeah, with like the incorporation of, of some live action sequences. Yeah, of like actors. I just love the violence of it. I didn't remember it being as violent <laughs> yeah. as it is. Like the like the dinosaurs it's coming out of the water, brutal. whipping people out of the boat and like throwing them around. Oh, yeah. And King Kong like it's... killing multiple people. It is awesomely violent. It's more violent than the 2005 version. <laughs> yeah, way more violent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like more brutal. <laughs> when the guys like fall down that canyon, it's like, ah! Oh man, the screams. And their bodies like, fucking half screams. Of the dialogue, <laughs> yeah. like it's, half it's of the dialogue brutal. was like <laughs> male screams, but not just screams like wailing, like, ah! Like high-pitched really loud. death screams yeah. from, from male characters. And the other half of the dialogue was just sexism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, was, yeah. it was a really fucking entertaining movie honestly yeah, yeah. it's a, a product of the time yeah <laughs> yeah it's a very 30s movie in that way oh, it's so very funny. 30s yeah when king kong's not stop motion it's like a giant that dopey it's like face. a giant gorilla i love yeah, like a giant gorilla so it's uh, so funny robot it, yeah when he likes <laughs> it's kind of like, goofy looking yeah yeah it has a vibe like a cheesy vibe that i think works much better than a the sentimental vibe of the Peter Jackson one. I like that he's just like a goofy gorilla, like mm -hmm. yeah, and he's like running around the city tearing up shit. He's just like he's just an animal. Like he's just you know, I felt bad for him. Like he didn't like I felt bad for King Kong because he didn't know any better. Yeah, because like, yeah, he is just an animal. Like every time he kills something, he like plays with a corpse and 
Yeah, yeah he's just a big monkey man. Oh, yeah. The... In the new one, they like try to make him like he has emotions and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But I like I like the kind of wild animal in the middle mm. of the city. He's totally helpless. Oh, man. But he's also tearing shit up. <laughs> it was awesome. I love how I mean obviously this isn't this is just a product of its time and this wasn't intent, but I love the old like dialect. There's lots of like swell and scram and I love like just <laughs> being transported yeah. back to like where these words were more commonly used and then obviously the uh you're a nuisance. You can't have a woman on a ship stuff. It's just like it's so constant. Yeah. And it, it, it happens so often that it's just like a really, yeah. really funny movie to me. Like even before it gets into the action, it's like it's so entertaining. It really sets the standard for the time. Hell yeah! It makes you feel. <laughs> is I think that's what they were talking about when they want to make America great again. I think that's this is about the time. Right, right. They want to make it more like King Kong. They want yeah. to go back to King Kong. Hell yeah! <laughs> they want to go back to King Kong time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you talk about the sexism, sexism. There's also a little bit of, you know, the portrayal of the the Skull Island and oh yeah, all that can yeah, be seen as yeah. a bit, yeah, like mm -hmm. uh, problematic. With as you know, yeah, we shot <laughs> rounds at them and they ran away scared. Yeah, yeah. they won't be coming mm -hmm. back. Or like oh, yeah, King Kong the... kind of killing them. Like, doesn't King Kong stomp his foot on one person, like in the village? Oh, yeah. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite character was what was his name? Charlie. Where, where like every every word that he mispronounces is not even something that like a regular Asian person with a thick accent would say, but it's clearly just something <laughs> that the that the producers <laughs> of this film thought that Asian people yeah. would mispronounce. It's just yeah. like he he yeah. called it breakfast, some eggs for breakfast. <laughs> it's so bad. It's yeah. pretty funny. It's so bad. bad. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. then I wrote down one of his other lines. Me likey go to me want to catch Missy. Oof. Oh, that was a good moment. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Exhilarating movie for me. I I'm glad you touched on that because I do see this almost as a comedy. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I laugh at it. Yeah, I laugh at it. It's those very things. entertaining. Yeah, I obviously yeah. Yeah, it's like a time capsule movie. Yeah, it's a time capsule and I find those things funny. Well, I'm laughing at those things, but I also do appreciate the craft of making this kind of film. Like yeah, it's got everything. The, the King Kong. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everything, right? It's got something for everyone. Had a budget, apparently. I mean, obviously, there's inflation or whatever. It wasn't even a million dollars. It was like $700,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, inflation, so, but... Yeah, yeah. But, like, it was like I don't know. Fucking, that's that's could, pretty fucking crazy. You could buy a car for, like, seven bucks. <laughs> yeah, and then it made, like, five million in the box office because, you know, everyone... Paid twenty five cents to go fucking yeah, see it. Yeah, true. It's such a different time. Oh yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, it's awesome though. Yeah, it is. It is cool to watch mm -hmm. something like this. And yeah. unlike age CG, age stop motion always has a certain charm to it. I find with the it's very charming. Yeah, with the way like each frame, like all the hair is kind of moving in a different way. I, I just like that that style a lot. It makes it scarier too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It makes it way freakier. <laughs> it is freaky. Like yeah. Jason and the Argonauts, Clash of the Titans, those kinds of movies. Yeah, they're fun. Oh. It's fun to watch like stop motion. And, and King Kong is like one of Fucking those. Fucking Ray Harryhausen shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not every kind of film. Like um, The Thing has some stop motion toward the end. I think that kind of looks goofy. But that's because The Thing is like a... Like I feel like the vibe of that movie is much more realistic. Yeah. I mean, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I prefer like the practical effects. But in this movie, I think it works great. The comedic tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was the it only way to achieve Kong. adds a lot of character to Kong. King Kong. 
Yeah. Yeah. They make Kong's face look very goofy. <laughs> yeah, he can't remind me of like Donkey Kong or something. Yeah. <laughs> Can I f- fucking like who? Why donkey? Was that a lost in translation thing? He's a monkey. He's not a donkey. He's a fucking <laughs> I, donkey. I, Kong. Why I donkey? Know Kong? About Nintendo lore to know that. To be I honest. think it might have been like they thought that they were just doing like Gorilla Kong or something, and then there was a they just mistranslated. Because they didn't have internet. <laughs> oh, I just Googled it. Miyamoto used donkey to convey stubborn in English. The name Donkey Kong was intended to convey stubborn okay. ape. <laughs> oh, Thanks for looking it up. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Okay. Stubborn Kong. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, like, they had to keep changing the name because, like, they would get sued for because of King Kong. You know, oh. it was too similar. Fine, he's a donkey. And eventually oh, they right, just changed yeah. it to Donkey Kong. Like, and Donkey Kong was okay. for Like, the lawyers passed that. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, who knows for this shit? This, the structure of this film is also pretty crazy. It's almost like yeah. Climax by Gaspar Noé. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it has, like, a very similar structure. Yeah, it does, actually. It's like, and go! <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of the movie, yeah, it, gets, much. it gets fucking crazy. Like yeah. about halfway through, once they yeah. get on the island, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But the stuff on the boat, like them getting to Skull Island, doesn't take too long, which is probably my biggest criticism of of the newest mm-hmm. one. The movie's very snappy. It's got a good pace. Like the characters are fun. Like you said, they got a bunch of dated misogynist dialogue, mm-hmm. like stupid shit. Like, yeah. but it's it's very entertaining. And then it's basically a monster movie. So then you watch all of them get killed, like thrown off fucking bridges, and it, it's really funny. Yeah, it delivers what you expect and what you want. Yeah, and doesn't yeah. stay too long. No, not at all. In many ways, this movie feels like kind of like a tech demo for the time period because it seems like once they get to the island. Every single action set piece is basically just an excuse to either show off or try some sort of filmmaking technique. And a lot of them could even be interchangeable. You're basically just making like a compilation of all these little different fight set piece sequences or action sequences and seeing like, okay, how can we film this one? What can we do for this, you know, sort of effect at the time? And a Mm -hmm. lot of it's really creative Mm -hmm. and really well done. And so like, no shit, it was a huge success because like when you see so many of these sequences one after the other of just like, wow, that's a cool effect. That's a cool effect, especially for the time period when people had no idea how it was done and they didn't know about these like yeah, this backlit been projector crazy. backgrounds and matte paintings and, you know, stop motion mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it very much feels like a tech demo in a way while not feeling like a soulless tech demo like uh, John Favreau's Lion King 2019 or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of VFX shots in this. It's the equivalent of a of a Lion King like that or an Avengers movie mm-hmm. of today. It's just so much complexity. And yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But it is just consistently entertaining. It's just very entertaining. entertaining. And it doesn't slog. Yeah. Yeah. The most impressive things I think are like when the people and the animals are in the same shot. Or like the dinosaur or whatever. Yeah, I agree. And that was apparently done with like they they took like film of the actor separately and then mm. they put the template in with the stop motion and then frame by frame they would like remove the frame of the actor and put a new one in mm-hmm. and like you know capture that and then keep doing that like until you know they had the whole scene that's great and basically it would take like a, se- a second to do like it would to do a second took like a fucking week or something mm-hmm. yeah that is amazing you know? yeah yeah turned out really well it turned out fucking awesome yeah yeah <laughs> A lot of crazy action and a lot of problematic shit. And basically, like, every character is just trying to capture the white woman. Mm -hmm. There's a really fucking awful line 
in the movie that I was shocked <laughs> was in there. Somehow shocked was in there. I hear it's something like a gorilla. Hey, ain't we got enough of them in New York? Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. Awful. I must have missed mm-hmm. that. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That was that, that was bad, with the, yeah. the bougies when they were sitting down to watch Kong. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Right. I mean, it gets visceral emotional reactions out of me in more ways than one, you could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am very attentive watching this film. And it's a monster movie. You see those people get killed. Oh, yeah. yeah That's true. where... It's. I feel like it's almost. You can interpret it as being critical of that time and of these people yeah, and how possibly. this kind of, you know, these kind of capitalist ideals, like them going to the island, like oh, we'll bring back this this yeah. sideshow attraction back to mm. New York City. Yeah, like it's all. It's critical. Of he that was a and king in his land. Now we pay twenty five cents for our amusement. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they took this innocent creature and you know, they destroyed him. Mm. You, you could say it is a pro-environmental, <laughs> pro-animal rights movie. It might be why Hitler liked yeah. it so much. Oh, he was a vegetarian. I didn't know that. He was he a big fan, was he? Yeah. Did they show this one in Germany? Yeah, they he mentioned loved, things like that in Mank. Kong. Yeah, He's got good they mentioned taste. things like that in Mank, like <laughs> publishing films. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so... <laughs> this funny time period. It's like in 1930s. I mean, not awful, funny at yeah. the same time, but funny to think about now. It's only funny because we're so removed from it now. Yeah, exactly. Like, culturally. Yeah, very not. I wouldn't survive. I'd be, I'd be fucking lynched. Yeah. So. In this film, like in this context, it's quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of harmless. Mm-hmm. I feel in this film. Oh yeah, it's it's still very funny yeah. <laughs> to think about now. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we should obviously watch it knowing that with that context of mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and you can't really but miss it, is, it. It is really funny. Yeah, it, you can't miss it. Yeah, at times. Yeah. What do you think about the last line of the film? Oh no, it wasn't the airplanes. It was Beauty that killed the beast. It's very uh, profound. <laughs> yeah, maybe for the time. Yeah, I mean it's on the nose, but it's kind of an on the nose movie. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in the tone of this film, it it perfectly encapsulates yeah. the story. It's pretty yeah. cheese. It is very funny. cheese, but the whole movie's very cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's goofy as I hell. think it works better than in the new one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Delivered by Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. What would we give uh, 1933 King Kong out of 10? Uh, five out of five. Yeah, I think I'd give this a four, four stars. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving this one an eight out of 10. It's a classic piece of cinema history. Yes, it is. Yeah. Everyone should see it. Yeah. It's fucking wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> We also saw Peter J- Peter Jack Jackson's yeah. King Kong, his version, two thousand five, and it it was his attempt to bring the old movie to a new generation of people, but also his own thing. And this is fresh after mm-hmm. his massive success with Lord of the Rings. In mm-hmm. there are some things about it that I understand and feel like justified logical sensible changes there are other things about it that don't uh what did you think hmm. i'm really torn mm-hmm. i really dislike half the movie and i really quite like the other half oh yeah but they just pull each other down <laughs> yeah because i don't see ultimately why it was necessary to lord of the rings king kong i don't <laughs> see why that runtime yeah needed to be three hours plus this film is way too long like it's actually absurd, but by so when when you're like two and a half hours in, or even at the beginning, it, it takes like an hour to get to the island. Why? 
Why? Mm-hmm. It, it half an hour max. Come on, to get to the island with the giant monkey. I hear that criticism so much. It seems like everybody complains about the time it takes to get to the island. But I feel like I have the like somewhat of the opposite problem. I feel like the movie only really gets exhausting for me when it's action after action after action and all these different action set pieces that like go on for too long without really much happening in the story developing like sure they're interspersed with like some Naomi Watts juggling for Kong or whatever but that's about it you know I found like the part on the boat not to be a slog really at all I found that to you know there's some elements of cheese there but the entire trip to the island I really didn't it it didn't feel slow for me it didn't I wasn't getting impatient perhaps if in my mind I was thinking like but I want to get to the island sort of thing then maybe I would have felt a little differently but i i kind of liked what was going on with the characters and with what they were setting up and i found it to actually be a bit better than a lot of what happened on the island honestly Mm. i guess the problem i have is that all the characters they set they set up this whole ensemble in the Mm -hmm. first hour and then it's mostly abandoned and and pointless like the whole um the jimmy character and and with the (laughs) yeah it's always named jimmy the young one I I just don't understand why that was a necessary part of the movie, and even the same with the actor guy, the actor character. Like there isn't much payoff to it. Really. Yeah, he was kind of Bruce Baxter. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that that whole character was kind of like they could have cut all that shit out of the movie. Yeah. I feel him looking at the posters of himself. Like I don't know if that's just the extended cut. I, I guess that also does obnoxious. feel like pretty Lord of the Ringsy too. Is like the entire ensemble. Yeah. You know, just having mm-hmm. like so many it's, characters. Yeah, I think it's the wrong project. It's yeah. not necessary. Lord of the Rings has more time to justify all of these characters. But the, yeah, they invented characters for this, like Jim. They're just more interesting. I feel a lot of these characters are just very corny and unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't buy any of them as real people. And I think that works better in the other one, where it was just completely corny and over the yeah. top. And all the characters. It's just like a dumb monster movie. And this is just, it's trying to be something a little more. And it's like, it's like an hour long because he's like, I want to develop these characters. But at the same time, the characters are just not that interesting. And it's kind of cliche. Well, they just don't go anywhere. Stuff going they just on. have a beginning, yeah. but no middle or end, really. Right, right. Aside from Naomi Watts, I guess, and Jack mm-hmm. Black. Those, I guess those are the two <laughs> kind of most developed ones. But the rest of the ensemble is kind of irrelevant. There's a lot about mm-hmm. this film that feels really conflicting in that sense. Like the... There's parts near the beginning where it almost seems like they're going to do the same thing I was talking about with the 30s movie, which is the dialect, whereas in that one it was like natural, in this one they would have to put a bit more effort into it. And it almost seemed like that was kind of happening at the beginning, and then they just forgot about it, maybe as soon as Jack Black entered, who... He pulls off the, the asshole character... But he doesn't pull off the, I believe, you know, you're in the 30s character. And then at that point, I have to wonder, why is this <laughs> film set in the 30s? Why, would, why wasn't this film set in, like, 2005 or any other time period? Like it's, not like, it's not like the original King Kong was a period piece. There's nothing that's inherent to that period that justifies yeah. the, anything, really, in the, in the first King Kong film. So it's weird that they decided to make this one a period piece, but also didn't fully commit in terms of not only just acting, which is a big one, but also in terms of like a lot of the visuals, like even when you're in New York before you get to the island, it feels very computery in some shots. Like some of these are like obvious green screens of like New York. And it's like, even in the real physical environments, like sure, you have to do some digital shit, 
obviously to make it look like it's from the time period but like it's just it shouldn't feel this fake while you're pretending like it's old at the same time because it's mm -hmm. a modern fake and it feels very conflicting. Yeah, it felt like it felt like a video game almost. Like yeah. I was watching Mafia, like a Mafia cutscene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of some of the worst shots from the prequels. Like yeah, that kind of, some of look. It. Mm -hmm. it was just unnecessary. Like the world building at the beginning, there were all these shots of like the city and there's these construction workers and yeah, like you said, this bad green screen. It's it like, why do we even need to see this? Like I get we're in nineteen thirties New York City. Like I know like we saw the original King Kong. It's just like so padded out. And then I think this was cut out of the theatrical cut, but Naomi Watts and her whole like theater production, like getting closed down and then her old friend moves out of out of the state or whatever. Like it was so fucking corny and not like interesting. I think that that's you know how like the new Disney movies are kind of like trying to address the issues of like the older films as they remake them. I think that's kind of the same thing that was happening here is because in the yeah. original King Kong, her character like she wasn't really given much agency or no, character or backstory. And so I right. think that they were trying to make up for that. She literally just gets fucking like adopted off the street in the first movie. Like, hey, I'm trying to steal an apple. Uh, come with me. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they they literally spin it. So this it. one, they had to like give a, a bit more of like a justification, and they still had the like the apple thing too. But it's weird because it's like yeah, it, it's, in it's, one it's sense the they're, they're trying thing. to recreate yeah. it, and in another sense they're trying to like basically contradict it or address and change and update it. And it it just it feels like kind of a conflicting experience at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in the original one, there's the scene when the guy first picks her up and she like automatically like loves him and like wants to screw him i guess and then they spin <laughs> it in the new one where jack black seems to be coming onto her and she's kind of creeped out by it and that's kind of flipping it mm -hmm. to be a bit more progressive in that way as mm -hmm. you'd expect from you know the, the the crew making it yeah it still just develops into like a generic love story with adrian brody and the, yeah. just the goofy scenes of like them on the ship she thinks he's someone else it's like a yeah. it's like a be cute like it's, it's, yeah it's fucking it's oh like, like, you know one of those bookie you know little fucking nerds who never talks to anybody and got a big fucking nose oh oh he's right behind nice me, legs or sea legs <laughs> like, mm -hmm. i don't know yeah. i think it was tonally inconsistent in that way too yeah. where it does have the goofy comedy like that but then when they get to the island and like one of the crew members is executed it's like really vicious and yeah. violent there's all these kind oh of horror oh my god themes and then mm -hmm. it, it does feel very like you're being pulled around a lot speaking of conflicted and progressive this film yeah. handled the native tribes people much worse than the film 80 years beforehand yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is saying a lot it was like holy they're just zombies <laughs> like what's going on it seemed like he was going like full horror movie with stuff like that he was yeah. like directing it like a horror movie yeah, which, I mean, like, he has experience in that, mm -hmm. and, like, I started to think of, like, the opening scene in, like, Brain Dead, Dead Alive when I was watching some of this shit, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's like, scary. what movie are you making? <laughs> Again, it feels, like, really conflicting and weird. Especially because it's not really that necessary, to be honest. Like, the, yeah, it the, really the, isn't. The, yeah, that's not what is interesting about the island. It's the yeah. giant dinosaurs and the giant... Yeah. Because, like, right. the, the, this latest... um 
Kong Skull Island movie that came out, I think it's actually a lot better than this movie. It's a lot more consistent tonally, at least, and it right. it kind of knows what it is a bit more, and it's set like it's more like a Vietnam-y kind of thing that it's going okay. for. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I'd agree with you. It's better, but I. I... Would agree. It knows what it is more. Yeah, it knows what it is, and it isn't three hours long. Yeah, yeah. That film doesn't take itself that seriously, which is something I do like about it. No, it's goofy, and it knows what it is. Something I do like about this one, though, is like Peter Jackson clearly has a love for the original film, and he wanted to pay homage to it in in many ways Mm -hmm. that I think are respectful. Like he clearly, it's not like a studio cash grab. This movie, it actually feels like a. And that's what's so frustrating about it to me, because there are parts of it I really love, like what, like the early scenes of Jack Black and the movie producers and stuff him saying like you can trust me i'm a movie producer and all that kind of stuff i do enjoy that a lot and where it starts but as you say once you get to that island and you just get to like these action scenes where a bunch of dinosaurs are like running down a cliff and (laughs) running under them and it's like so silly that was pretty cool fucking fucking running kick a velociraptor I thought the movie got much better once once king kong comes in and he starts fighting dinosaurs and that shit like I thought all that was pretty great. I think the dinosaur fight's pretty impressive, actually. That whole sequence. As well as um King Kong at the end in New York City. I think both those scenes were pretty well done. Yeah, I think the action scenes that rely on humans being a part of the action are the ones that don't work. Like I really think that chase is is just a <laughs> awful. The dinosaur one where like the Yeah. It's like the giant what's they called? The long necked ones that, that eat the herbivore ones. Those dinosaurs that are like herbivores with the long necks. Yeah, it only works if it's able to wow you with the kind of excess of it and the Mm -hmm. visual effects. But now that the visual effects have aged and it doesn't even look that good anymore. It looks terrible. It looks terrible and there's no excuse for it because Jurassic Park came out like 10 years before. It looks so I would argue even when it came out, it looked fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, it looked bad. Yeah. Like even in that time period, like there's a stark difference between the human characters and the the dinosaur characters and the proportions sometimes feel weird and inconsistent like you're just like mm-hmm. like you're dragging them along with like your mouse in the scene sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah. there's a lot of weird shit and it's really present in that scene in particular yeah some things feel rushed like some of those effects and i think it's because the movie's just too long they just had so much shit to do but i think the parts where they really focused on like that dinosaur fight like those those are pretty detailed and mm-hmm. i thought all that was great and the sound design yeah. too it was like an update of you know the original one so it's a, it's a groundbreaking spectacular dinosaur fight with king kong like you know and i think in that way it is a great update mm-hmm. yeah and this is what i mean about the torn thing cuz while i really dislike that chase scene with the dinosaurs i kind of really like that bug scene it's like the most horrifying (laughs) hellish like imagery the Um, the, the penis worms it's got a lot of tension to it yeah those weird (laughs) worms that was apparently inspired by like a a dream like a nightmare that one of the animators kept having or something it is it (laughs) it does feel like a nightmare that sequence (laughs) oh Uh yeah yeah but it actually i think it kind of fits more Mm -hmm. um andy circus how do you guys feel about andy circus he played two King characters. <laughs> he was yeah, also the in, chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get uh, eaten by the cool. cocks. Or, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I thought he was fine in that role. Um, King Kong. It's, it's him playing a CGI character again. Mm-hmm. Um, another groundbreaking performance. And there's like a lot of um more emotion you get from the gorilla. Yeah, and they give him a bit of like history when they when he goes yeah. back to his cave and he's got all the like skeletons of his 
or family or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is it's like it's presented as more of a love story where like Naomi Watts is falling in love with this giant. Yeah, she's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> it's very weird. I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's why I prefer the other one, where it's just a, it's just a goofy gorilla, yeah. And like, he, I think King Kong just likes having her around, like kind of like a Barbie doll. Like, I don't think he feels one way or the other. In the original film, he like looked up her fucking dress. Remember? Yeah, it was like that element, shit. but it was like that was funny, more rapey in the original, I guess. And now it's like she loves him. Yeah, and, and King Kong's much strange. more self-aware. Like, he, like there's the scene at the end where they're on the ice and like they're going around. That's so weird. It's, it, yeah, it's like scene. come on with this shit. Well, because they had to like give a bit of like a moment so that like the audience, I guess, was reminded of their love or something before the end. Yeah, they were trying to make you sympathize with King Kong, but in a way that was too. It was just too much. It was. It was too a Force fed. Yeah. How did you think the effects held up for King Kong specifically? Because I felt it was it was kind of all over the place. Some of it looked really good still, um, but there was the odd moment where it, it does look like a 2005 like CG <laughs> movie. Yeah, most part looking. I'm not taken out of it a whole lot for that. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I, the only part that looked like pretty bad to the point where it was distracting was the dinosaur chase scene part like that part's just really weird looking <laughs> everything else like they could have cut that out of the movie honestly. in the penis worm scene like the animation looks about a billion times better in that scene somehow like it, it looked like way more modern i don't know if you noticed this but like yeah it was yeah. so so much i think it's like cleaner animation setting. look really good yeah i don't I don't know what the, the, the 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 something to do with the... like their textures and like it was like kind of slimy and shiny and stuff yeah. and maybe that helped rather than like fur yeah. and insects stuff, are but... quite good for CG aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. that looked fantastic despite being 2005. So yeah, I mean, there's some parts yeah. of the CG that look great and some that didn't. I didn't really find too much inconsistent about just King Kong himself though, or at least not to my memory. Yeah, I thought he looked fine for the most part. I thought I needed Andy Circus was good. I'm not sure yeah. if there were like performers like as other CGI things, like the dinosaurs or <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Um the film is just too long. It's just too fucking long. The whole middle of the film is just a blur to me. Like I don't even remember yeah. like everything after the dinosaur fight to when they get to the city. It's just so like long. There's like, a lot of it. The movie could have just been two hours. Yeah, there is a good two-hour movie buried in there. Yeah, the dinosaur chase and like the whole opening. So many scenes on the ship with Baxter. And it's like all this shit could be cut out. Yeah, Jimmy and the captain. Like he's like, oh, I'm reading now. <laughs> it's like, wait, who the fuck cares about Jamie Bell? Like, <laughs> yeah, I really don't give a shit about Jimmy. It's not about being brave, Jimmy. Yeah, his whole story didn't need to be there. That was weird. The core of the movie should have been Naomi Watts, Adrian Brody, and and Jack Black. Yeah. And Jack Black, I don't think he was great, but you know he he was trying. I, I like that be he was good uh, for a certain. Tone. It wasn't typecast. Yeah, he wasn't typecast. I, I like that. But yeah, because I I was enjoying his character and how smarmy he is and how he's just like lying to everyone because he's basically the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. And but again, it doesn't. It, it doesn't give enough time to the interesting characters. It's more interested in the in the yeah. action kind of like it, it is torn in that way where it's like, yeah, we want to make this a more modernized kind of in-depth movie where the characters go through more stuff and the visual effects and the action is just like next level. But mm-hmm. 
the way it all comes together, it's like it is conflicting with itself in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. What would you say is improved? Because I can think of like a couple things. Improved. I don't know if anything's improved, but I think things are, are updated in a way that justify it existing. Mm-hmm. Like Like the dinosaur fight. Like that scene is really impressive and I could see a modern day audience really enjoying that as compared yeah. to the old one, which is great in, in some respects, but I don't think it's as visceral or immersive <laughs> as like this one where okay. he's fucking like smashing his jaw and it's like giant like bass and sound. Like it's like really impressive. I, I, that's what Peter Jackson like really wanted to do with this. And I think those scenes are really good. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple tiny things like, um, you know, in the boat, you can tell that the boat's actually moving in the scenes. They have a lot of objects like swaying <laughs> back and forth to imply That's the true. movements and the camera, the way the camera is. Whereas in the original film, it's like stationary. It's like, oh, they're in a boat, but it looks like any other room. It's the most sturdy <laughs> boat of all time. It's like there, there is no swaying. It's like the most calm sea of all time sort of thing, right? So I would call that an improvement. I would also, this is a tiny one here, but I would call it an improvement in terms of like, how King Kong got distracted by the the flash photography because in the first one there was a bunch of photograph uh, photographers that lined up to the side of King Kong that got apparently the worst angle of all time and then he he just freaked out but they were photographing King Kong <laughs> in the remake they were like okay that looks stupid and so they had Jack Black and Actor Man being photographed in front of King Kong so it's like that way you get to retain the whole oh the flash photography is right next to him mm. but it justifies why they're there rather than getting a better angle out in the audience. Yeah, that is better. That's true. The whole uh, King Kong after he escapes that point and he's like picking up all these random, random girls on the street and checking like, is this one? Nope. Tosses them to the side. I found that part to be like hilarious. (laughs) And in the original film, although we kind of get that with the um, really, I I guess, iconic scenes of, of, king kong's fist going through a window and like grabbing different girls in that film i didn't really feel like i got much of a sense for like how many that he would have like grabbed and checked it really just seems like he got it like on the second try and it's really coincidental sort of thing literally just like grabs her whereas despite being maybe arguably as cheesy there is a bit a bit more of a justification for naomi watts seeking out king kong and going there rather than him just happening to find the right window or something right yeah (laughs) there's there's a couple things that are improved from like a bit of a presentation perspective and a bit of a logical perspective i guess Mm -hmm, definitely so like they put thought into it i don't hate this movie at all no there are just some things that (laughs) maybe felt better on paper (laughs) and didn't translate as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, it either needed to go further. It needed to just like choose which what it really wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because yeah, is it like an act like a modernized version of the old? Like he could have gone for like a different tact where it was more like a like a Lion King approach where it was more like shot for shot almost. But mm-hmm. I just I've seen this for some reason. I've watched this movie twice this year. I happened to watch it during the first quarantine oh um, i'm sorry so 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 <laughs> so watching it again it really was like a kind of a slog for me because it is just so long <laughs> and as much as there are things i like about it, it i just can't with with that length it's just three hours and, it, and I, I just don't feel like the payoff is there 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember really liking the movie when I first saw it at the cinema, um, but I would have been like 11 and a, a lot has changed in the industry now and we've been blown away in new ways. So going back to movies that are built around trying to impress you with the excess, if they're not done in a certain way, they they don't tend to age as good as, you know, mm-hmm. some more thoughtful interpretations of like special effects. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I just... I, I can't really connect with this movie. It it just drives me insane after... Once I get to about two and a half hours, I'm, like, I, I'm so desperate for this to end at this point because <laughs> you've kind of shown me everything that you have to offer and, and you know how the film ends. So everyone knows how King Kong ends. Yeah, so we know the that whole point. story. And then it ends with the Jack Black line and I don't know. It, it just oh, doesn't work yeah. for me. It just doesn't come together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the middle. It takes too long. The goddamn middle. It takes middle. too long to get to the goods. And there's that whole section in the middle where it's like set in broad daylight. And I don't know if it was just my TV or whatnot, but that section specifically is where the chase sequence is, mm-hmm. is the worst looking section because the, the, the other parts of the, uh, the other scenes in the movie are kind of set in yeah. parts of the day where the lighting is a bit more forgiving for CG, you know, like the New York sequence. Yeah, they have a lot to do with it, I guess. Yeah, New York's like foggy too. Yeah, they, they yeah. like mist and other things, yeah. right? Yeah, so that whole daylight section is it, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it like crystal clean daylight. Yeah, like it's gonna look like shit. Yeah, yeah. So you see the effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a I have a lot of issues with it. Yeah, a lot of action in service of action. Mm-hmm. I mean, the action's pretty excessive too. <laughs> I'll give it that. I'll, that's just the whole movie's just too long. That's just my biggest complaint with it. It could have been less than two hours easily. Mm-hmm. And it takes too long to get to King Kong. It takes too long to get to the island. It just takes too long to get from A to B when you know what's going to happen the whole time. And it's the same movie. It's really, in essence, the same movie. It even takes place in the 30s. So yeah, I feel yeah. like Blade Runner 2049 or something like that is a much better update of like an original film. It takes the good stuff and tells a new story. Yeah, it's not predictable. Yeah, it's not too long. It's not <laughs> indulgent. It delivers on what you want. And this just takes too long to deliver on what you want. I don't even think that dinosaur fights till like two hours into the movie, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. it takes so long to get there. And I feel like that's I feel like that's the scene. I feel like that's what you watch mm-hmm. the movie for. Yeah, exactly. That should have been an hour in. Yeah. Because it's awesome. It's like the, the misuse and of, of action where it it takes some of the punch away when you've been just given so many action scenes, like the action scene on the boat where they're like dodging rocks yeah. and then you've got the chase scene with the dinosaurs. It's just like never ending <laughs> right. bombardment. So when you actually get the stuff you want, you're almost like, yeah, I mean, I've already seen like crazy stuff. Like how much crazier could this possibly get? Yeah. Tired. Yeah. It's like overstimulation almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Shit. I mean, I would argue it, it could be, it could be even two and a half hours long and still be good and like not like feel like it's dragging on way too long because remember this is like this isn't a three hour movie this is a three and a half hour movie basically like the extended yeah the director's cut yeah and and the director's cut isn't that much longer than the theatrical it's still like what did they add because i didn't watch that version and i don't think there's only like two scenes that stuck out to me as different there's one where there's like you know the scene in, in lord of the rings where there's like the bog or whatever and Frodo falls into the water it was like kind of like that except there was like a half-life fish they were running away from and then Adrian Brody's like walking under the water really slowly and it looks kind of shit 
it really doesn't look good. <laughs> and it's really drawn out for what that is. Yeah, it's it's a really weird scene. And then there's um oh yeah, they like kill an ostrich or something. And which is weird because like an in ostrich. that scene Yeah, yeah. Um they actually used like a like a puppet animatronic thing. It looked like a Jim Henson like Dark Crystal. They like shot oh. an ostrich and then they see it on the ground as dying. They're like, No, it was like a creature but it was like a good one it was like a, yeah it was a weird looking ostrich thing and it was like not cg it was like practical hmm. and that was interesting so wait all that all that stuff with naomi watts in the beginning that's in the other cut too i didn't recognize anything different about like the entire first part of the movie yeah my immediate thought was like half of that stuff could be cut out of the movie i thought that was just the extended but what cut. about like her, her show being closed down and stuff no that was in the yeah, yeah that, that was in the original cut that's in both. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, that was in the one I watched. <laughs> I would have, I would have removed all that. <laughs> it's just so pointless. It's just like that could have been explained in like two lines of dialogue, yeah. and then yeah. we could have moved on with the story. Yeah, I don't mind. I still don't mind the first, however long of the movie. I really still feel like it. It only gets to be a chore in the middle. I, I do like the angle of like how they changed up the justification for why they're going to the island and why the film was being made. And how Jack Black's like in debt, <laughs> like running away mm -hmm. from these. Yeah, and he's like tricking and everyone. Stuff. Uh, that's fun. That's cute. I like it, and it like also justifies the urgency of it. You know, there's tiny changes like that that I kind of like. But yeah, I I would agree it's too long for what it is. Although not complete torture for me. I I'll still I'll still rewatch <laughs> this film every five years or something just to pique my curiosity of the experience I, it's not it doesn't leave a bad taste in my mouth overall i, I feel the same way it's i like it mm -hmm. yeah there's just there's so many parts i feel like could go you know i yeah. wish i liked it more yeah i'm i'm glad peter jackson that he got to make it and it's like his favorite film or something it's just like a pure passion project but yeah it's, it's just it's just aged way too long i just wish that first act had some kind of payoff at the end and I'd be fine with the length, length honestly, if you just earn it, that's all I'm asking mm -hmm. for. But it just feels like wasted time. Otherwise, like the whole Jimmy thing is just, it's like laughably bad, the Jimmy thing to me. <laughs> um, and it's like such a, it's, there's so many scenes dedicated to it and it makes it seem like it's, it's like a, a focus. It really like doesn't a, matter. <laughs> a real part of the story, but it, it, it doesn't. Remove that whole thing. Just, it doesn't matter all. It's just finished. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's all this like trivia about how the guy who played Jimmy was like staying in accent the whole time he was on set and stuff. Like, I, I don't get what they were going for with that. Cause it, it goes nowhere and he's not even in the last section of the movie. Memory. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about it. It was a fun discussion. And yeah. I'm glad I got to, you know, it justified me watching the whole original movie, which is pretty fucking wild. Yeah. yeah. What would yeah. you guys give uh, King Kong 2005 out of 10? Oh, that's hard. I don't know. You guys rate it first. Easy. Well, Six out of 10. Done. <laughs> yeah, I'm right down the well, middle. Two and a half stars. Five out of 10. Two and a half stars. I'd, I'd, I'm leaning more toward liking it, so I'd do yep. six out of 10 like Adam, like three cool. stars. But there's so many problems with it. Yeah. I, I can understand people who don't like it at all. Yeah. If I saw it twice in one year, I might give it a five instead of a six. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> I, I, I would definitely recommend the regular cut, too. The The theatrical cut's shorter, so watch the shorter cut. 
If you could find a cut that's even shorter than that, it's barely it. shorter though. I would, I honestly like it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like not hours, shorter minutes, by a yeah, lot. It's still, it's still too fucking yeah, long. So it it's doesn't still really make long. a difference. Maybe there's a fan cut out there somewhere. That wouldn't be a bad project. Right. That's the only thing. A fan cut yeah. where they get no, to the I'd island half hour cut. in. Yeah. Yeah. They should have been on the boat ready to go ten minutes in. <laughs> okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicus subreddit. If you want to leave your own questions, head over there and. Leave whatever you like in the suggestion thread. Let's start with this one from GGG375, who says, You wake up tomorrow, look in the mirror, and see Neil Breen looking back at you. Much to your <laughs> surprise, you've become a clone of Breen, possessing the same supernatural abilities he displays in his films. The ability to freeze time, hack government servers, hook up with bad actresses half your age, eat tuna, etc. <laughs> How would you use your otherworldly abilities to help mankind, or would you instead use your powers to help yourself? That was the most upvoted comment. So. Wow. Probably the same way Neil Breen does in his movies. I just play God and execute half the population or some shit. Thanos snap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, freeze time, collect all the tuna in the world. <laughs> collect all the laptops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, collect all the yeah, guitar I, I would, tuners. I would steal every laptop and iPhone, make it so people have to go outside. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's something Neil Breen would do. It makes no sense. You can hack the news and be like, uh -huh. everybody, stop being bad and no more corruption, yeah. please. Or else I'll kill, I would do something like that you. to teach everyone a lesson. Yeah. I was thinking like a Ready Player One kind of thing, like reject technology go outside yeah. Like, yeah. reject <laughs> modernity embrace yeah. tradition then that's what i'm going we're for we're banning yeah. it on tuesdays <laughs> exactly that's what i do is go free oh god <laughs> i don't know i would start a fucking crowdfunding think campaign <laughs> first thing you start a cult <laughs> I don't know just make a fucking I want to know how much he would get in a crowdfunding campaign I think he would do really well it's weird how he just refuses yeah. to as, as if it, it's it's attached to some sort of like unprofessionalism in movies because he's like it's not a midnight movie I want actual producers I can't do crowdfunding <laughs> but at the same time it's like fuck I don't know Charlie Kaufman did some crowdfunding for Anomalisa you know like Suck it up. <laughs> like there's mm -hmm. th there's there's legitimate films made with crowdfunding help. Come on. People want to support you, dude. I would want like a really great filmmaker or director to wake up as Neil Breen. Like I want I want like Chris <laughs> Nolan to wake up as Neil Breen and then like he makes a great movie, but everyone thinks Neil Breen made it. Like that's what I want to happen. Oh. I think that'd be really yeah, cool. And Neil yeah, Breen's finally like a like an actual like respected Oscar. Oh, that's director. probably <laughs> that's probably what happened with Tenet. Oh, what? Just, like, just the other way. Just, just like the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an insult to Tenet. <laughs> okay, Adam, you'll like this one okay. from uh, Glesger underscore Kamer. What's your opinion on the New York Times 25 greatest actors of the past 20 years list? I know at least Adam has taken a okay. look at this. So who do you think is too high slash too low? Any notable snubs? And finally, anyone who definitely shouldn't be there. I feel like those answers are obvious if you've seen Adam's Twitter. I don't know. There's some actors on here that I really like. And what's interesting about this is this article is written by two different people. It's written by Manhola Dargis. I butchered that name, I'm sure. And A.O. Scott, 
who is a much more recognizable name. You can see his quotes on DVDs and shit. There's a lot of actors on here I do like, and there's some choices on here that I just find to be like absolutely nonsense. Like Melissa McCarthy, and mm-hmm. then also yeah, <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves on the number four spot, I think. Let me just check this out. Above Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> however you say. Meaning, <laughs> meaning that these two people could not name five actors that are better than Keanu Reeves <laughs> in in the past yeah. 10 years, right? Which is nonsense. And you read the justification and A.O. Scott's writing things like, can you name one film that has not been improved by his presence? And my answer is yes. Have you seen fucking Knock Knock by Eli Roth? His performance is terrible. <laughs> have you seen The Lake House? Like, there's other, other people you could have cast in those movies and they would have been better. Not just like, oh yeah, I love Keanu, hashtag Big Chungus Reddit la meme face. Like wholesome mm-hmm. 100 like it seems like that's what he's doing but he's a professional critic you know it's like jesus christ yeah mm-hmm. it is odd. i was glad to see tilda swinton and willem dafoe in there at least yeah. yeah that was a good one i was glad to see some non-american actors that i really like on there like song kang ho yeah yeah it seems like yeah you never know you never know how many of these are on there because they're like trying to make it seem like they pay more attention to foreign films than they actually do sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> right. like, it's kind of like a pandering. Yeah. I feel yeah. the same way. Uh, but like, there's good choices. Viola Davis is a good choice. Like, yeah, like I wouldn't necessarily agree, but I'm happy that they know about them sort of thing, but there would mm-hmm. be better actors to fill those same spots. If there is some sort of like quota that they're looking for is what I would say. Get rid of Melissa McCarthy, though. Yeah, that's the most bizarre one. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> Melissa McCarthy? 25 <laughs> greatest actors of 2020, or the whole decade. Jesus Christ. <laughs> She's great at falling down in movies. That's what she does. And even in her films where she's like, I'm a serious actor now, like, can you ever forgive me? She was fine. That was about it. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She's not. <laughs> She's not like a... Like a great actor yeah. or anything. Like, like, Willem Dafoe is 18. That's He should be higher than 18. I think he should be in the top 10. Yeah. Like, uh, Melissa McCarthy, I can't not see as Mil- Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> she's not even, like, an actor in the same way. As, like, in the same list mm-hmm. as, like, Tilda Swinton. Like, you know, it does seem a bit silly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some things on here. Like, Catherine Deneuve. Who else I, oh, yeah, Mahershala Ali was on there, I think. Oh, yeah. Viola yeah, Davis. Yeah, Viola? Yeah. I forget. I always forget which yeah, one. Yeah, Viola, I think. Yeah. Oscar Isaac. Tilda Swinton's one of my favorite of all time. Joaquin Phoenix. I'd be mad if he wasn't anywhere there. Mm-hmm. I don't think Saoirse Ronan's one of the 25 greatest actors of the past 10 years or whatever. I really don't. She's fine. She's good. But yeah, I feel like every single movie I've ever seen her in, there's always like one or two lines where a bit of the Irish comes out. And I notice it, and I'm reminded that she's an Irish actor. Like, every single movie I've ever seen her in where she's not playing an Irish character, like, there's a bit that slips out. I'm like, mm, you almost had it. She's, she's okay. Yeah, she's Michael good, B. Jordan? But, uh, like, how do you feel amazing. about Michael Jordan? I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, some great ones that I've seen him in, really. I don't think... Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that he's been in things that I haven't seen that maybe are just that much better, but again, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Unless he's like yeah, that's not a good one. <laughs> insane in Fruitvale Station, then I don't think I would put him on he's the list. He's good in either. Fruitvale Station. But yeah. I've never seen him like take on a role that's really out there. Yeah. 
you know like how samuel mm-hmm. jackson takes on like a bunch of different really interesting roles yeah true um, he could play glass and the guy from king's man and then he's also like you know this is a bunch of weird guys i don't know if michael b jordan's is chiwetel Ed- edgefor on the list he, he should be on here. here yeah no, like I don't what think the fuck he, he should be he's on. awesome yeah gail garcia bernal that's a good one yeah like he good. was in Amor's he's a better which we watched. I'm yeah glad she's there and then number one, Denzel Washington, I kind of disagree with. Number one? Yeah. yeah, number one. I don't know. I feel I feel like I could probably name 25 better actors than Denzel Washington anyway. Denzel Washington's a good actor. He's good. <laughs> number one's weird. He deserves a spot though. somewhere on it's the really list. really weird. Yeah. He definitely deserves yeah. a spot somewhere on I'm the list. One. Yeah. Especially because the list is like of the past 10 years or whatever, right? Or like, mm-hmm. what is what is this supposed to be? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I love Training Day. Yeah. yeah. Training Day's a while ago. His best performances <laughs> yeah. certainly <laughs> aren't recent. Yeah. Man on Fire. Like, yeah, yeah, I love those movies. Those are old. In the last 20 years, they say. <laughs> yeah. So everything from... 2000 to now yeah that doesn't work yeah recently he's like equalizer 2 magnificent 7 like i don't know he's he's been in some recently that's i mean fences he was good in but Mm -hmm. fences isn't one of the greatest films of the decade i don't think yeah yeah i I just yeah i don't know about this list it seems pretty dumb honestly (laughs) it seems really fucking of the 21st century okay so those movies are in the the past 20 years yeah Yeah, so those movies did come out it just feels like they farted this out it's clickbait. It's just something about <laughs> lists is just irresistible to people. They're like the most discussed like concepts that humans have come up with, and we like just share lists on the internet and <laughs> yeah. like, argue and get annoyed about I it. I think they wanted to play it very safe. It seems like a very safe oh, yeah. list. Yeah, one hundred percent. You it can feels tell. Like a very safe list. Yeah, because they know a lot of people are going to see it. They don't want to raise a lot of controversy. Yeah, but there's a few choices on here. I mean, if you want to go by like biggest movie stars, yeah, Keanu Reeves deserves a spot. He's a huge movie star, but like. <laughs> Are we talking like the craft of acting, or because like Daniel Day Lewis, you know, he's fucking pretty great. Oh, is Daniel Day Lewis Keanu not Reeves, in here? I think he is in there. Okay. He's, I think he's yeah, ahead he's of Keanu Reeves. The, the okay, yeah, good. but they're like, it's like Keanu Reeves, Daniel Day Lewis, neck and neck. Like I don't know. Yeah, Keanu Reeves yeah. is a. I bet he's a great guy, a great person. That's not, he's not a movie it. star. I mean, his craft, the craft of acting. Yeah. The Melissa McCarthy and Keanu Reeves being on the list is just enough to tell you what the list is, you know? It's enough <laughs> to tell you how serious they are. Yeah. <laughs> it would be weird yeah. if I found out that A.O. Scott genuinely believes that Keanu Reeves is the fourth greatest actor of the past 20 years. Of the century so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, have seen more than one of his movies or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if you count, like, action. Yeah, he's good at fighting. It's the, it's the like, dialogue part that is the, yeah. the highlight. <laughs> the greatest, greatest actors. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's the list. It's the acting part that we were... We, and, then, and then, yeah, the justification is just stardom. It's like, that's not the same thing as actor. You could say fucking Logan Paul, you know, like... You can say like you can say that about any famous person, like, oh, fucking Paris Hilton. Maybe I should pick a more recent one so I don't seem like as much of a boomer. I don't know. The Rock? Yeah, I would say the Rock's a better actor than Keanu Reeves, so <laughs> <laughs> honestly. The Rock's yeah, not even probably. a great actor. He does one thing very well, like Keanu, but he's never chosen roles that have been like so embarrassing like Keanu has. Yeah. Like knock knock. It, by the way, if anybody doesn't believe me or hasn't seen this awful film called Knock Knock, which the entire fucking thing is basically just Eli Roth's like weird porn fantasy sort of thing, it's like a mm-hmm. fan fiction. Yeah, I've seen it. It's so you. bad. 
somebody uploaded the entire ending of the movie on on YouTube and a couple other moments from the film where Keanu does a terrible job acting. So I encourage you to check out these clips on YouTube. Uh, just search Keanu Reeves knock knock, and I'm sure you'll find some good clips because it's, it's it's on it's Netflix, really embarrassing. right? Knock knock's on Netflix. It My parents be, watched know. it recently. They fucking it's hated so it. They bad. were like, wow, that was fucking terrible. I'm like, really? Who okay, watched it recently? Did you out. say your parents? My parents. Oh, God. Yeah, my parents watched it because they like Keanu Reeves. Oh. They're like, it's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and they're like, this is fucking oh, no. terrible. It's so <laughs> bad. It's terrible. It's like, it's it's worse than I could expect from Eli Roth, which is saying a lot. <laughs> that says a mm-hmm. lot, yeah. I know. He made a Bruce Willis movie. It's so. just so embarrassing. A very safe list. I don't know if they can't have like, I don't know if they do a list every century and they don't want to do repeats, but there's some actors on here that I think they're seriously missing, like Colin Firth or Colin Farrell mm. or like any Colin. Yeah, but those Collins. Two, all the Collins. Like they're they, missing all the Collins. Yeah. Yeah, where are the Collins? They're missing Collins? a lot Collins. of good people. Rami Malek. Yeah, Maybe he hasn't there's done a, enough there's yet. Like a, there's a billion. Like, if I if I honestly put my mind to it, I could name a bunch. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's a bunch out there, like I don't know, fucking Mickey Rourke has done a better job than Keanu Reeves in the past twenty years. You know? Yeah, <laughs> true. The wrestler true. is very good in the wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's an awesome one. Even Iron bunch. Man Two, he's better than like John Wick. <laughs> he's better. <laughs> he's better at Iron Man Two. Just like uh, pick any Doug random Pierce. cast yeah. member from a fucking Hanukkah film, like. Just like one of the kids in the white ribbon, like that's better than Keanu Reeves. Like, come on, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, where's he? Yeah. I don't know. Fuck it. Brad Pitt. It's better than Keanu Reeves and Melissa McCarthy. Fucking, I don't know. There's a billion. The list goes on. Yeah, that's what I mean. There must be. I don't know. There's some that they just don't want to put on there for some reason. <laughs> They're just like pretending they those just actors don't care don't and it's about clicks <laughs> is the most logical yeah. explanation they should have done a list of 50 they should have done a list of like 50 yeah. actors make everyone happy 100 i don't give a shit 100 yeah yeah that's what they usually do fucking lupita nyong'o she could have been on the list yeah yeah she's excellent yeah in star wars the force awakens <laughs> Yeah, oh that's God, yeah. the one that's the <laughs> yeah that's the one that's the one she's known for right <laughs> yeah that's uh all right next question Vince is depressed as one for us. Since you're talking about King Kong, I'd like to ask this. What is a movie you like that has really weird sexual implications? King Kong being attracted to the blonde lady, for example. <laughs> Another example, and more famous, is Slave Leia in Return of the Jedi. The whole Leia being enslaved by Jabba has, to me, really weird sexual implications. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any others? Shape of Water, Cool Cat, done. <laughs> Shape of Water is a good yeah, one. Pretty gross. Yeah, the ones you mentioned in the question. <laughs> do I, need, are pretty do gross. I even need yeah. to go further? Everybody knows Shape of Water and Cool Cat. What about Avatar? The Avatar was the first thing that popped into my head. Oh yeah, they like fucked with their hair or something, right? It's like yeah. a human going into like an alien body, then fucking <laughs> other aliens. <laughs> it's quite weird. Twenty twenty, Grandpa. <laughs> that is really <laughs> You can do this shit in VR oh, now or something. James Cameron's probably. just too far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've never thought about a movie in, in such a way, so I can't even answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking vanilla. The, the King Kong one's weird, yeah. It's like she's attracted to him, too. It's like they're falling in love. That's what makes it so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, yeah, like a romance plot, but with a fucking giant CGI gorilla. It's just like so silly. God, when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the way it is it in is the other absurd. one. He's just, I know. He's just like a big it, oaf. <laughs> it's, her, it's, just... it's a very weird thing to add to the movie. Because like... 
like her character is just a fucking weirdo now. <laughs> like, what is wrong? With yeah. You? <laughs> Make it relatable and sympathetic to modern day audiences. That's that was their justification. So she barely fucking knows the guy too. <laughs> yeah, she barely you just knows met. <laughs> yeah, they should have dinner first. <laughs> That would have been a funny scene. <laughs> King Kong like sitting at a restaurant. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's like a normal restaurant, like a little table, and he's like in a giant. Yeah, he's like, in a, whatever. Does that happen in the seventies one? Oh yeah, in the seventies <laughs> one, he's actually on the twin towers instead of the. World oh really? Uh, instead yeah. of a, uh, yeah, instead of a uh, the Empire State Building, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mobile Association Eight has one. It's a bit less sexual. Who is your least favorite actor based on their work and acting style? If you guys need a moment to think of, I've got one I can throw out there. That being Marky Mark. I'm just... Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, there's something about him that I... It's kind of the Melissa McCarthy problem where I just can't not see Mark Wahlberg. What? You know? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you did that because... <laughs> But it's just what he is to me, though. Yeah, just I know, right? It's <laughs> yeah. just that's what's happening so good. Any other actor, it wouldn't be as good. Uh, that's a that's a good one. The thing with like even Melissa McCarthy, I think they're good in a certain role. Like Spy, she's good. Or Mark mm -hmm. Wahlberg is good as like a cop or like a plumber. Or, like like it's just when they you try to proclaim them as like one of the greatest actors of the century. It like starts to become like yeah. annoying. It's when they become really because like Mark Wahlberg's like considered one of the greatest actors in Hollywood. Where like he he's is he? I think he's the highest paid. He's that, one of the highest. Those are paid different things. Definitely. Yeah, that's he has too. been okay. in good movies. He's yeah, in a, that's he works with a lot of great directors. Example. Yeah, Scorsese and uh, all the money in the world. Yeah, people the, the pay money to watch that. movies that he's in, and that's that mm -hmm. gets you more roles, which is why The Rock is he like just the doesn't biggest, deliver because every movie he's in is a guaranteed success except Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's good in Boogie Nights, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, because of that. That what? No, I guess that kind of works. <laughs> yeah, for that yeah, exactly. There's yeah. some <laughs> roles that like work a bit better. Like if it's a, something that doesn't take itself yeah. as seriously, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I would say Vince Vaughn is a pretty fucking bad one. Uh, <laughs> I got reminded yeah. of his existence in the film Freaky that just came out, a Blumhouse joint from the director of oh, uh, yeah. Happy Death Day. Oh yeah, and it was his best performance in like probably twenty years, which is not saying much. It still wasn't good. Did you see the season of True Detective with? Him? I saw half of the first episode and then never watched any further. And I watched the whole <laughs> first season as soon as the fucking Vince Vaughn season happened. I was like, this is bullshit, and yeah. just never looked yeah, back. It was tough to get through. I watched that second season's pretty bad, and Vince yeah. Vaughn, yeah, basically ruins it. He's not the good. first season's really good. Yeah, Fuck yeah, no, I love the good. first season. Psycho remake, yeah. Vince Vaughn. There's uh, Jurassic Park, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. He should just be in like shitty comedies like The Watch and Fred the Wedding Claus. Crashers. Like, that's where he belongs. Like, yeah, but people got sick of him because he was just doing the same thing over and over. It's why you don't see Michael Sarah in movies anymore. Like, you know, you can, you can only play one character for so long before people are like, meh. Adam Sandler's been doing the same shit for 30 years. People love him. He takes the occasional uncut gems. Yeah, but he's the genius behind the films. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> He is a genius. James Corden. Ugh. That's just too easy, though. I mean, I really don't like Jai Courtney, because he just kind of... Or like Sam Worthington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah That's a good Sam one. I, When you said Jai Courtney, I actually had Sam Worthington in my mind. <laughs> right, because they all like, kind of mesh in your brain. They're like the generic lead, just like blank slate. 
audience can imprint themselves onto him. They look like mm-hmm. default she- default shepherd in a mascot. Yeah, <laughs> they're <laughs> default characters. It's like <laughs> in yeah. like a video game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in like a Bethesda game, it's like the default yeah. Nord character. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Worthington, Jai Courtney. You're absolutely right. They're not. <laughs> there's 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 nothing to them. <laughs> I even saw him in an, a pretty good series on Netflix about the Unibomber, but he was like the main character, and it was like, why is he the main character in this? <laughs> like, the, the show would just be automatically better if they got a superior actor in that role. <laughs> Feels bad to Man. say. Like, would I be giving the guy a chance? <laughs> Sam Weatherington yeah. lucked I mean, out. Holy shit. Whatever. Avatar 1 through 5. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. He got Avatar, he yeah, got Terminator, he got yeah. Call of Duty. What's really funny is, like, he's listed in all five of them, so I know he's going to survive that long in the movies. Unless they do a Jigsaw flashback thing, I don't know. Maybe he'll die. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I feel like there's other actors I'm missing out on. I think we listed some pretty good ones, to be honest. Vince mm-hmm. Vaughn is a good one. Artistic Cellist 4350 says, What would you consider to be the most terrifying non-horror films? I would say Seven, seeing as it's more of a crime thriller than a pure horror film. I would say The Dark Crystal, um, a yeah. movie we've talked about before, is <laughs> so creepy to me. There's some documentaries that aren't horror films. <laughs> like any like yeah. nature documentary, as in like the ones that talk about how we're like, moving towards death mm-hmm. <laughs> corporations a good one jesus camp yeah anything that really that really gives a good version of reality that's like oh mm-hmm. this is the happening. depressing reality yeah yeah so something like creepy that's not a horror movie existentially terrifying what about like requiem for a dream yeah like killing of a sacred deer i think is very disturbing yeah yeah that's, that's just like a drama I think it's going a lot for that, though. You could call that a horror movie. You could definitely call that a horror film. Yeah, but I, I think it's like, of it. I think it's very subtle, the horror elements. Like Midsommar, flat-out horror film. It's got, like, yeah, know, goofy killing and, <laughs> like, guys dressed in silly suits or whatever. This was just, like, a family drama, you know? Like, there's nothing, nothing about it that's that, like, out there, mm-hmm. aside from the concept. Willow Tree 13 has one, then. Mm-hmm. Is it important... To stumble into a so bad it's good movie, does the reputation of something like the Room or Neil Breen movies actually go against the enjoyment of first-time viewers? Only if you see them in a packed theater where everybody's spoiling every single line. <laughs> like that shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. have your first experience watching the Room in a theater of other people who have seen the Room because you're not going to hear the fucking movie. Yeah, and spoons are flying all over yeah. the cinema. So, so in that way, yes. But I would also argue that, I don't know, the reputation of The Room is interesting and unique in a way where it was like one of the first like really breakout kind of like so bad that it's good for like this genre, Mm -hmm. you know, like it felt like, you know, best worst movie of all time sort of thing. And it's always going to have that crown when I feel like Neil Breen deserves a lot more respect and recognition and more attention in that sense. Tommy Wiseau is really just like a one-trick pony in that sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got like that one masterpiece, yeah. But uh, I think Neil Breen films will age very well. I think in like 20 years, he'll get the recognition he deserves. Like it took Tommy Wiseau some time yeah. to get that respect. There is something special about finding like that yeah. weird, obscure golden nugget, you know, that no one's seen before. Mm-hmm. And so you could be the one to, to release it into right. the world. But I think if you're going to make like a review... 
put it out there. It's better to find something obscure. Yeah, than just, just make the same you know, points so, everybody yeah, else has made. Yeah, and then find something yeah, that everyone else has covered. It's good to find something new. And there's a mm. lot of shit out there that hasn't been discovered. Oh, yeah. That's, Tons. You know, <laughs> Tons. You yeah. just got to dig. Yeah, and like three clicks on IMDb, you can find some <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah, you'll find it. There's movies that no one has seen that one day someone will find and expose to the internet. Mm-hmm. And everyone will love it. Yeah, people love that shit. I think it's good to, you know, hop on a bandwagon though. Like if if a if something's gaining momentum, like you should you should talk about it. Yeah. Like the Nutshack was one I kind of jumped on the bandwagon for. Like, oh, this show people fucking hate it. It's getting memed. Redacted. Uh, people, my friends are yeah, redacted. Right. Uh, sorry, we're gonna get copyright claims. <laughs> but my friends are telling me about it. I'm like, I gotta check out the show. So like, that's something you, you should you should ride the wave sometimes too. I kind of rode the wave with with. Doug Walker and like the wall, like all that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Cause like the rim meme is dead now. There's like, At this literally point. Uh, made about it. Yeah. Not to normies. Well, I suppose there's always people still <laughs> discovering it now. You know, yeah. but... Well, now it's become mainstream. Now it's a legend. It's like, it's the type of thing you'd expect like a politician to talk about. At this point, you yeah, know, like Hillary yeah. Clinton would just be like, what a story, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> to the polls. <laughs> You know? Oh my god! Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, yeah. It is that too? You know? It's like the Gangnam style of so bad that it's good movies. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I believe it is time for a film recommendation from none other than Seppi Man. <laughs> what have you got for us? Okay, I'll recommend an old movie um, called Bicycle Thieves from the year 1948. It's Italian. Vittorio De Sica. Mm-hmm. So, you guys check that out. Really good. Okay, it is on my awesome. watch list already. Cool. Cool, cool. Awesome. Hope you guys enjoy. So, <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled for 1948's bike- Bicycle Thieves, check it out for the next episode. These episodes get released every two weeks. You can hear these episodes early as they're edited if you go to sardonicast.com. $2 a month. Sign up for premium. You can get them early. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch and Christmas is like right around the corner. No guarantee it would show up for Christmas, though. You might be a little late. I have no idea. Check mm-hmm. the shipping. Get it ASAP. Go, go. Yeah. now. All right. It was beauty that killed the bicycle thieves. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I have to like reincorporate something at the end. You know, just make it like... No, that was good. Like poetic, in a way. Bit of set up and pay off, yeah. You, you delivered it better than Jack Black did at the end. Yeah, true. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. everyone. I'm sorry, Jack Black, if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs>